Hey everyone, welcome back to a brand new episode of Kellen's Petty Talk Show and our first episode of the new year. I'm so pleased and excited to have our guests, Eric Roberts and his wife, Eliza Roberts, on the show today. Quick little story. When I came to LA in the summer of 2017, my goal was to get my SAG card. I gave myself less than 90 days to make it happen. Within a few weeks, I was able to secure a quick speaking role on a pilot that starred Eric Roberts. This was the first time we met. Fast forward almost two years, I met a girl named Morgan, walking her dogs for the dog walking app, WAG. After several bookings with her through this dog walking app, she decided to start paying me under the table for walks, which sparked a bond between the both of us rather quickly. After a little while of doing walks for her dogs, I let her know that I was an actor and that I was looking for looking to get new headshots and looking for an agency to represent me. So it was possible that my time was soon to be more limited. She then told me that her mother is an acting coach. I asked her who her mother was, and she responded with Eliza Roberts. While working out at a gym in North Hollywood, I quickly looked up this very familiar sounding name. Turns out Eliza is the wife of Eric Roberts. Ever since, I've worked with the two of them on many occasions, many sets. I do catering with her daughter, Morgan. I help her deliver pies for her bake shop, and, and I even continue to walk her dogs. This coincidence has been one of the greatest blessings to me as a person and as an actor living in Los Angeles because all of them have treated me with the greatest respect. Eliza has coached me with my acting and helped me to secure and book gigs, and I ultimately am so grateful to know them. They've been working constantly throughout the pandemic, and we initially had planned to have the two of them on the podcast back in May, but work became very constant and crucial. I really hope you all enjoy this episode as much as I did and that you will go check out some of the films and their performances that we discuss. Hey guys, it is an absolute pleasure to have both of you on the show. Thank you so much for doing this. It's always a good time seeing you guys, and I can't say enough great things about you too. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, you both have an interesting story of how you two initially met. Tell us about it. Okay, well, we have different versions of the same story. Okay. Really? <laughs> are you going to start telling it that way from now on? No, I'm not going to tell it about ever again. No, you can. <laughs> you see him if he's lying on the couch like that? <laughs> I know, but you're supposed to be, you're, this is like a performance. Are you sure you should lie on the couch? Tell the story. All right. Anyway. Um, okay. So, oh, good. The kitty's going to come and be in it. Come on. Uh, all right. So, I got um, so I was um, working on a film with John Travolta and Benjamin Bratt okay. um, in Florida and New York. And then I was scheduled to be flown back to LA. There used to be an airline called MGM Grand. It was mm -hmm. an all, all first class airline. God, it's the best airline you ever dreamed of. It's like James Bond time. Really? It's crazy. They had compartments. This was the only time I didn't sit in a compartment. I just sat in a seat, but they had compartments and everything. It was really crazy. Um, and Eric was being flown to LA. <laughs> were you doing finishing best of the best? I had flown in from Rome. Mm -hmm. and caught the plane at whatever airport we're at. It was it? Kennedy, probably Kennedy, JFK. Kennedy, and was heading for LAX to uh, to finish a movie. Right. This, this okay. is like 88, 89? It was 89. 89. So, um, so I, in those days, you could you could just change your flight. It was like a bus ticket. I mean, it wasn't even as, as, as official as a bus ticket. Um, you could, so I had the flight that day and then I changed it. It was going to come the next day and then I finished my work. So I changed it back and just, you know, threw on like a pair of jeans, no makeup and ran to the airport and got on the plane. And I happened to be seated next to Eric. Okay. I was in the window and he was in the aisle. We've traded that since then. 
he had a cat <laughs> on his lap in a carrier, you know, cause the, you didn't bring your animals into the cabin in those days, but he mm-hmm. did. Cat's name was Tender. Tender. And little kids would walk by and go, oh, can I pet the kitty? And Eric was kind of like, my kitty. Chick magnet. No question. It was a cat, not a dog. It wasn't like a Doberman picture. Not at all. It was a child magnet. And um, I figured Eric was gay, which I already figured. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so he had been, his Oscar nomination was the same year that my biological father won a couple of Oscars. Okay. And so um, I just seen him because that had just happened recently. Mm-hmm. And um, and I had just been submitted his sister for a part in something I was casting. She was brand new. And I realized as I was sitting next to him that I knew him because it was my job to know him. I was a casting director, but, um, but I had never really seen any of his movies because they were all like, they weren't comedies. They weren't like romantic comedies. Yeah. They were scary with violence and he played oh, yeah. bad guy. And I those kind of movies. So mm-hmm. I was like, it's funny how you know actors who you've never seen. Um, but anyway, so um, I happened to be seated next to him and he w- had a big bottle of Evian with him. Okay. And he and was- my chick magnet. And he was much like nicer and more like, I don't know, girly than you would ever expect. He was just sweet and he talked. I had a, a script with me called Intersection. I was gay. Yeah. <laughs> I had a script with me called Intersection, which my father had written. Yes. Um, it hadn't been made yet. And I was supposed to read it on the plane. As soon as I saw I was sitting next to Eric, I put it under the seat because I was like, oh, I don't want to talk shop. So I'm not going to take out my script. And I felt really, my kids were little at the time. So I had no time to read except on a plane. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked a little and then he did a really nice thing. They served the meal. They used to serve meals on planes, you know, not mm-hmm. in their lifetime, but um, they served the meal and I wanted to, I need to get up to go pee. So I was like, oh, terrible timing. And he's like, wait, I'll handle this for you. And he took my tray and he handled everything so I could step out, go throw on a little mascara, which was mm-hmm. an interesting thing to do for the gay guy sitting next to me. <laughs> and um, and he came back and um, and he was talking about how he loved red hair and how I had beautiful eyes which I thought was interesting. I thought, oh, maybe he wants to have eyes like these and, and long red hair or something since he's gay. Yeah. Um, and anyway, um, eventually I had to take out my script. So he asked what I was reading and I t- told him the story and it was just, he was very, I was surprised. He knew my father. My father knew Eddie Bunker and Alvin Sargent. It was kind of like a group of writers. They all knew each other. Mm-hmm. So Eric was like, I love his writing. That's amazing. He's your dad. So we, um, we talked, he asked for my phone number mm-hmm. and he wrote it on his driver's license. So oh. we wouldn't lose it. <laughs> That's smart. And, um, and off we went into our worlds, yeah, except- but you're leaving out one good part. Hold on a second. That's in a minute. No, you can go back. <laughs> um, okay. So when I went home, I needed to go, go home quickly and immediately get in my car and go to a performance of the rhythm of torn stars in Santa Monica. Mm -hmm. Um, And Eric, so I went home and my nanny at the time was Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Okay. So I got home. um, I basically kissed the kids, ran into my car. They loved staying with Jeff. So they were very happy. Yeah. And Jeff comes to the door and has a big honking phone in his hand because in those days that was phones. 
Yeah. He's like, hey, Eliza, there's a call for you. I'm like, I can't, I can't be late. And I said, who is it? He said, it's Eric. And I said, well, I don't know anybody like Eric. They named Eric, just take a message. Yeah. He's like, dude, this sounds like Eric Roberts. He covers his phone. And I am not, he knows I'm talking to you. I'm not telling Eric Roberts, you're not available. I would be scared for my life to do that. You're yeah. taking this call. And I was like, okay. And I take the call and it is Eric. And he's like, come meet me on set. I said, well, I have a performance. Well, yeah. after. Anyway, the important part is this. <laughs> I thank Jeffrey Dean Morgan for my very happy marriage because we had just met. I don't know an Eric. She didn't remember, you know? Yeah. And, uh, if he hadn't said, it sounds like Eric Roberts. Oh yeah, I met him on the plane. And she took the phone. Mm -hmm. If that hadn't happened, if he hadn't said that, I wouldn't have called back. Yeah, stuff to do, dude. You know, and uh, and but you know, and I was very attracted to her. I thought she's cute as a button, and I love her red hair. But but you know, I got stuff to do. Yeah, but she took the call. Yeah, we falling in love very shortly thereafter. I mean, but but man, you know, if he hadn't said, it sounds like somebody you know. Yeah, it wouldn't have happened, dude. So it's I love Jeffrey forever. It's crazy how things happen like that. I've had a lot of experiences like that too. Mm -hmm. So it's I know you, you say that again. It's life. It really is. Uh, it's crazy. I know yeah, you've both been, for a reason. I know you've both been busy working all the past year pretty regularly. Did you guys check out any good movies in 2020? Well, we would have. You would have. Yeah, you're busy. <laughs> I mean, we well, no, no COVID. The, uh, the pandemic. Because we, we, I mean, our habit was we'd go on Thursday when they secretly opened the Friday movies. She would go. I would go yes. and see everything and then yeah. pre-screen it and She's then bring him. We we're Tell me the good freaks. stuff. So, yeah. I mean, let's see. What did we love? We watched uh, all the Hallmark and Lifetime Christmas movies. Okay. Um, some of which were shot at our house with Exhausting. our cast and us. Um, Amazing. We... Um, there, it's, it, I mean, we discovered shows that we'd never, like we had never seen um, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, mm -hmm. Aaron Orkin's show from like 2006. I had so. never seen all the chick flicks from what to what, from the from the Tom Hanks thing. Oh yeah, Sleepless in Seattle, you got mail. You've got mail. Something's gotta give, he saw, and he loved them. And they're great. I mean, Family I would never stone. go see them. But oh, that's I, awesome. At home <laughs> with the wife. Yeah. But you know, it's not a thing I want to go out to see. But, yeah. but I'm not glad I saw them. You know, it would have been a, it, it would have been it, it would have been something I would have missed had I not seen them. Tim exactly. Matheson's uh, series with mm -hmm. Annette O'Toole and uh, and Benjamin Hollingsworth. We we love that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we did a lot of binge watching. Yeah, we did. Which I've How never done you? before. It's it's. I thought now it's going to destroy all the fun of. Of the of the drama or the comedy being special, you know, yeah. you know like uh, like reading a newspaper, you know. Mm. But uh, it it was cool. It, it, it I I really enjoy it. And I understand you know, why your kids do it. I get mm. it. I, what should we know. see? What movies should we see? Recommend something. Well, my buddy here's he watches Cobra Kai. I heard that's really good. Oh, oh. he has songs in Cobra Kai. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh wow, really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, wow. I'm, I've been so hooked on Cobra Kai. You know, I mean me being like a diehard fan of like the martial arts movies as well you know when i first heard cobra kai it was just like gonna be a thing i'm like are you are you kidding me like something like i just like the what's so great about it is the writing whoever wrote it you know 
he deserves an like whoever's writing it deserves an award. It's just so cool. right. The thing that was so cool about Cobra Kai is first of all, I'm so those are our friends, and I'm so happy that they're like reemployed. That's amazing. But um, they had no expectations. I mean, it was they didn't know if anybody would even notice it was there. And so Michelle Silverman is she's the music supervisor, and she said, "Hey, I want to put a couple of Keaton songs in this little show. I mean, it's it's just on YouTube or whatever, wherever it is, right? Yeah, yeah." And she said, "It's Cobra Kai," and I was like, "Of course!" And he was excited because he loved all the original stuff, mm -hmm. like you. And then yeah. this became what it deserved to be. Usually that doesn't happen. It's really good, and people discovered it. Mm -hmm. So I, and now it's a hit, huge. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. huge. No, and I like that, you know, because obviously, you know, Karate Kid goes back to a whole different generation and like Cobra Kai is able to reach out to the newer generation as well. So that's what I like about it. You know, it's a combination of nostalgia with, you know, some modern stuff. But right, yeah. exactly right. But yeah, all those guys are killing it and I'm already excited for season four. <laughs> I know, it's so great. It's so yeah. Also, before we get into the film-specific questions, I just want to quickly plug the fact that Eric Roberts is now on Cameo. For those unfamiliar, Cameo is a platform where you can receive video shout-outs, marriage proposals, happy birthday messages, and everything in between from your favorite actors, musicians, athletes, etc. The list goes on. If you'd like to book a video greeting with Eric, head to Cameo.com or download the app to get started. I also believe you're doing Zoom sessions now, right? I am. Those were so much fun. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Zoom I had to cameo. cameo. So much fun. I I never I never thought it would be, but yeah. because yeah, but it's easy and it's personal and it's and it's and it's and it's a direct and you can't really have a bad time. Yeah, exactly. It's just it, it's good format. And you always I'm glad get you mentioned it, Kellen. You know, it's thanks to you. Uh, I mean, I just I just let you guys know about it. <laughs> well, uh... is it thanks to Kellen? Hundred percent. Thanks, Kellen. You're welcome. Uh, yeah. you, you get mostly positive feedback from all the the customer reviews, right? Well, except when I'm with her. Uh -huh. Oh, I see. <laughs> uh, we think so. We don't really know how to work we, the site. We don't know. We only know how to do the messages. We don't know my feedback. Oh, okay. We don't know my feedback. My we do get feedback on people come to us on social, what you call it, and and they say, "Oh, it's so that was so fun." Yeah, so, my dad absolutely loved the video you guys did for him last year. Oh, good. Oh, cool. Anytime. All right. Now, the film that introduced Eric Roberts to the cinematic world is none other than King of the Gypsies. So what was it like shooting in the 70s? And how different were the sets and schedules to films of today? Well, the power on a set, the power in the, in the, in the creative stuff is, um, um, it, it, it evolves. It's 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 always evolving, mm -hmm. and it goes from actor to writer, producer to director to actor, to writer, producer, director. It goes in those circles, or it used to back in the days of film, mm -hmm. and uh, that was at a time when the director was boss. Uh, thanks to Francis Coppola, actually. Thanks to uh, the uh, conversation, Godfather One and Godfather Two. Bang! Okay, directors are now the boss. If we can have this kind of creativity at the helm, you guys are the boss. So I had a guy named Frank Pearson as my first director. Now he had just worked with her, oddly enough, on a movie on, um, on A Star Is Born. Uh, oh, wow. Met me, Six Degrees Separation. And, uh, but uh, he wrote and he also directed King of the Gypsies and uh, they wanted him to cast John Travolta in it. Okay. 
And he said, no, because John was the thing. He just done Saturday Night Fever. He was it. Oh, yeah. And he said, we want John to, uh, to, uh, to play the gypsy boy. He said, nope, I want an unknown. They said, oh, Frank, you make it hard on yourself. An unknown. We can't advertise an unknown. Yeah. Because I want an unknown. I'm going to go find an, an unknown. But he was boss. He was he was Frank Pearson, you know, and he had he'd won an Oscar for a screenplay for a for a movie called Cat Baloo. So he he, okay. he had he had some power, mm-hmm. and uh, and he just wrote Barbara Streisand, you know, the uh, the uh, the movie she was in. Mm-hmm. He was kind of a heavyweight. So he went and he and he met a bunch of people, and everybody wanted the part supposedly. And I I auditioned three or four times, and then I screen tested. And it was my first snowstorm I'd ever seen as a grown up. And it was early January, 1978, and it closed the city, you know, it, it, uh, it closed the streets. Wow. And uh, I walked from number seven, West 73rd Street, uh, the Upper West Side at that time, 1976, seven, eight, it was a slum, only started, to get nights in the early 80s and got very hip in the mid 80s but in the 70s it was crappy up there. yeah but not up at central park west but down oh, there no but no. yeah where you Amsterdam or where you were yeah okay mm-hmm. no I, I was i was just off the park but still that, that it was crap it was crummy I lived but there. but anyway wait you 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 on 86th street mm-hmm. the 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 nicest upper west side street for many years mm-hmm. that that, well, that was the park. okay go ahead yeah but anyway, <laughs> So, so, uh, so I walked through the snow down the Gulf and Western building to, uh, to take my screen test, had a screen test and was offered the part. Uh, he, uh, he showed Frank, Frank Pearson showed the screen test to, uh, to, uh, Dino Del Rantis and said, that's who I want. Mm-hmm. And, um, D- Dino said, sure. After he watched it, he said, sure, he's a good choice. And, uh, they gave me that movie, dude, Frank Pearson. So I will always be indebted to Frank Pearson. Oh, that's excellent. Oh, when that's you get awesome. hit by the taxi in the movie, that was a stunt double, right? Or did you just no, say, screw it, I'm going to do all my own stunts for my first film? Uh, 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 I walk up the car and stop. No, the only time I started doing my own stunts was after Star 80. But that's okay. another story, which I'll tell you later. Okay, perfect. But no, I just walked up to the car and stopped. and had a stuntman, you know, kill himself for that one. Yeah, because, I mean, <laughs> your, your character's going through windows, body slamming through doors, and everything in between. <laughs> Hell of a stunt, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's got an excellent finale, too, where you kill your father. Boom, spoiler. Uh, I bet the audience reaction to that was pretty legendary at the time. It's a very effective, exciting, and pleasing ending to that movie. Yeah, but I also got hate mail. Yeah. You don't, you, you don't kill family. I got a lot of that mail. A lot of that mail from, uh, from gypsies and Italians. Really? You don't kill family. You might not like them, but you can't you can't kill family. What are you doing, <laughs> Eric? You killing family? I'm like, it's only a movie. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> a lot of people got mad about that. Yeah. Oh wow, I would have known. That's that. an issue. You know, people get involved in movies. You know, they think that's who they're watching. Mm-hmm. So when you do something you know, they don't like, it, it hurts their feelings. <laughs> people also get easily offended way too much. So that that's another thing. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> I, I also. <laughs> I also absolutely love the scene where the guy is teaching the younger version of you how to drive. Oh, yeah. We have a bird, yeah. yeah, I think that's real classic. Um, okay, so moving on to the film that brought Eliza to the silver screen. We got Schlock, 
which was the directorial debut of John Landis, who has helmed many popular pictures, including Animal House, Blues Brothers, American Werewolf in London, the list goes on. Uh, <laughs> what a wild movie to start a career with. Here's the, IMDb. <laughs> here's, here's the IMDb description for anybody listening. So it's a small town is terrorized by the banana killer, which turns out to be the missing link between man and ape. <laughs> it's batshit ridiculous. It's hilarious and features many great performances. It's a B-movie classic, in my opinion. And I just wanted to know, what was it like working with John Landis and how did he do as a first-time director out of the gate? Well, even though that was John's first feature, he'd been making movies ever since he was thrown out of high school, which, which like was- shorts. Um, like shorts and stuff, right? Yeah, like eight millimeter, just running around his mom's yeah. house in his underwear. Yeah. He shot a lot of stop action, like a lot of Gumby and Pokey movies. Exactly. You yeah. know, a lot of stop action stuff. He was, his genius showed very, very young. Um, yeah. When I was at his house discussing schlock, he was telling me, he's like, I have a script. I, I Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do, I want to do comedy because he's really funny. Exactly. Uh, I'm going to do horror because it's easier to break into. I'll establish a name for myself. It's like crossing over from country music yeah. to top 40. And horror has got the best return on investment out of all genres, pretty much. Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. That's right. So you can be thought of as a hit. And he said, I've got one called Teenage Werewolf in London. Okay. And he said, that's going to be, which became American Werewolf. He said, that's going to be my transition because even the title is funny. So people are going to understand this is is going to be funny. I was like, well, schlock is, you better mean it as a comedy. Yeah. I mean, you're not serious with this, are you? <laughs> he said, no, I want it to be super schlocky. Everybody be really stiff. And, and so, but still like have some scary stuff. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know who did the makeup, don't you? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, I know who it is. And I, I know who you're talking about. It's the guy that you know. did, um, all right. What's his name? I know it. Rick Baker. Rick, Rick Baker. Baker. Yeah. Man. That's a yeah. big and, and he deal. Did, so he basically. Werewolf too. Well, yeah, but he also, look him up. Everybody's listening. Rick mm -hmm. Baker. He's mm -hmm. the, the, that kind of special effects makeup artist in ever in he's history. He's But he's in schlock, by the way. In the high school dance. He's the boy who's on crutches and he gets knocked over and nobody cares. And he just falls over. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't know that was him. <laughs> Yeah, and John Chambers, who trained Rick Baker in makeup, is in the movie. He plays the uh, the head of the National Guard. Okay. Later, oh. um, he was exposed as a CIA operative um, in um, Ben Affleck's movie that starts with an A. It's called again. Uh, uh, ben no. Affleck. <laughs> ben Affleck. Yeah, but just it starts with an A. Out. It starts. Uh, all right, give me another hint. Give me another hint. We all know it's a, it's a big, big Ben Affleck movie about the CIA. Argo, 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 Argo. Oh, Argo okay. yeah. yeah, I saw yeah, that. That's once. a good movie. Okay, so that's about John Chambers, and uh, that has a lot to do with Schlock. Really? Believe it or not. So okay. we didn't know. I mean, we we didn't. When I was up there on top of Agora High School, fainted with John, um, and 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 down down below me was John Chambers with a megaphone, and they're shooting and everything. Yeah. We didn't know that that guy was a CIA operative. I mean, you know, who knows what he was doing on our set? I mean, really, <laughs> seriously, I have no idea what he's investigating. Oh my God. Anyway, John Landis, um, I lived in, I moved to England when I was turned 16. I graduated early from high school and I wanted to study acting and I went over there for the schools there. Wow. And um, John saw me in a production of The Crucible. Um, and um, then when I got back to, to California, not LA, but to Berkeley, 
he called and he said, I'm doing a movie. I want you to star in it. It's $50 a day, $25 deferred, which means $25 a day. Oh my God. I thought that was a lot more than I was making in baby for babysitting. So I was yeah. like, that's a lot of money. Yeah. And, um, and we shot in Agora and it was record breaking heat. It was 120 degrees. Oh. We had to pretend it was just like, you know, whatever. We're wearing a sweater under a sweater and stuff. That was the first time I realized that I could die of, of heat. Heat stroke. Um, and yeah, the catering was um, white bread with, with bologna. I didn't eat either of those things. Yeah. And um, we absolutely had a blast. There's a lot of really schlocky things in it. Um, and when I did Animal House, he said to me, okay, remember everything I told you when you did schlock playing Mindy Beinerman? Because he wanted it to be kind of amateurish delivery. You know, yeah. like when I say, thank you, Cal, I hope you come back to do homework with me later. Like, that's exactly what he wanted. Yeah, He's like, yeah. don't do that here. I was like, I want, I've never done that again. I mean, <laughs> don't worry. Um, anyway, it was, it was a blast. I mean, John is very um, adventurous uh -huh. and, um, and pretty wild. And he made a lot of jokes about the fact that when I fall onto my boyfriend um, out, out of the monster's arms, that we were saved it for the last day of shooting. Mm -hmm. So, because then if I got hurt, who cares? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I thought that was very funny, only it was true. Mm -hmm. so there was a real, oh, oh there's your doggy. <laughs> oh, hi. Oh my God, Callan, adorable. Is it a boy or girl? I can't remember. It's a boy, Scooby. Oh, is he, is he so an Australian cute. sheepdog? He's a border collie. He's a border collie, oh, yeah. He's so yep. Dude, oh my god okay you're in the, this podcast shows you too doesn't it oh yeah okay so we see him okay yeah you see him <laughs> um anyway does that give you enough of an answer about i could go on and on about schlock but does that give you enough of an answer <laughs> yes i just wanted to clarify john landis played schlock right yeah oh yeah that's the other thing he played yeah. schlock that yeah. was he, he was a champ i mean in that that's head 120 degrees usually it's the head with glasses on because he was directing us yeah sometimes it was just the head with glasses and a t-shirt whatever but he'd drive home in it and then have rick <laughs> take it off and to get home you know how many car accidents he caused <laughs> wait really i could only, I could only well, you know what it's like to be coming from agora to to westwood where he lived and with his mom great big monkey driving yeah. whoa <laughs> gigantic yeah, and like a Planet of the Apes, ape, oh right? You know, um, just driving a car, and yeah. John would forget he was wearing it, so he just look at people like, "What? What's with you?" Yeah. He did pick up a a few girls, like girls drove, you know, followed him home. But then, <laughs> really, chick magnet, chick magnet. Chick magnet. <laughs> this is really funny, but yeah, no, he played schlock, except for the piano playing. That was another member of our crew who was incredible. And he just put on the hands and did that incredible honky-tonk piano and stuff. Were there a lot of pranks being pulled on that set, like behind the scenes? So many. It's a John Landis set. Tonda Martiana, okay. pretty typical of John. Yeah. Um, Tonda Martiana, it was fun casting. I mean, our friend Cara, her stepdad, Tommy, played one of the head cops. Our publicist played Saul, the head of the police. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we just, you know, we, it was just, it was crazy. And there were a ton of pranks. There were really a, a lot of pranks. I mean, like, I didn't know he was going to do that thing with my boob where he kept <laughs> up, which caused a lot of people to be like, are they real? Which they were. And are. <laughs> um, 
I didn't know he was going to do that, but I was blindfolded. So what was I supposed to do? I, no one said cut. So I had to stay in character. Yeah. Just keep moving his hand. <laughs> and I named him after my real dog, Willie, when I thought he was a dog. It was the funniest was I was, I'm a terrible thrower. So I was supposed to throw that stick really far. And you notice it never went like past like my own lap. Yeah. So John, that's when he came up with the idea of just catching it. Like mm-hmm. I would throw it and just catch it. <laughs> and I didn't know he was doing that because I was blindfolded. There was a lot of things. Here's one thing for your viewers to notice. Okay. When I'm screaming in the backyard, because there he is, you see the big eyes. It's like, ah! Yeah. I have a, like a blue, a light blue turtleneck with a, a V-neck dark blue. And yeah. I'm screaming and you just see my face close up. And and then suddenly, same moment, only it's now cream color lace around my neck. Oh, it changes. Well, what happened was we shot that. He said, I need more screaming. We got to do it in a pickup. We're going to do it. We shot in October. So we did that the next February. Okay. And then I was wearing the outfit from the backyard scene, the Elvira Madigan scene. Yeah. And I'm like, John, we're... How do we do? I'm not, I don't have the same clothes. He's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, who cares? If they notice, it's even better. So you just, <laughs> that's, right? I agree. I agree. Especially for a B movie, that's, that's what makes it even funnier. Okay, good. So look for that. Yeah, I love the goofs. <laughs> you got some more questions for Slack, right? Yeah. Um, did you foresee Landis becoming a huge name after Schlock, you know, like breaking out into Hollywood? It's a very good question. Yes. Tell them tell them about though how you guys felt that you shot Animal House. Oh, well, Animal House we didn't think was going to be it was going to do well. Really? Yeah, this was 5 wow. years later. We thought it was just a big inside joke. Yeah. He kept being like the studio loves the dailies. They love the rushes and we're like you always hear that. We thought no one's going to get it. I mean like I, we're just cracking ourselves up. We thought it was a home movie. I did know uh, John had star quality period. That when, even when he played a nun in Kelly's Heroes where he crashed that set in um in Poland or Yugoslavia or something. John was a winner. John went to to the lot at Paramount and walked into an empty office that had an active phone and made phone calls on his own behalf and started his own career. I mean, nothing, he was unstoppable. So we knew Schlock was Schlock, um, but we, uh, we knew that um, he was gonna make something of himself. There was no question about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that's amazing. Another question I had, like, do you think Schlock played a huge part in like the parody genre of film, like paving the way for films like Airplane, Hot Shots and Naked yeah. Gun? Um, no, <laughs> I think that there's some people that's just their humor. That's their bent. Yeah. And schlock was kind of like a super schlocky version of all that. I think mm. it's more like those movies gave schlock more credibility than it was really going to have. Because gotcha. schlock is also kind of like bad. Yeah. You know? I mean, on purpose. It, yeah. It's yeah, a purpose. Well, on idea. purpose and also just because there was no money. Exactly. Make it good. Uh, you know, and um, so... I think it's more that 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 genre is out there somewhere, and mm-hmm. when it started to legitimize, suddenly you dig up classics like Schlock, mm-hmm. and it looks like genius. So I think it's more kind of it works in reverse. What no, was the reception true. like back then, though? Did people enjoy that kind of humor, or did they just think it was too goofy? Well, at first, I mean, first of all, it played okay. It was gonna play. We were scared to see it, but it was gonna play <laughs> in Berkeley. Okay. Um, one night and we all gathered we were very excited and the film didn't work no so everybody was heartbroken and we went to a Denny's which is one of the only all-night restaurants then 
and drank tomato juice and coffee all night. <laughs> and then never saw it for years. I mean, like that, it was like, that so that was, there was, that no was the premiere. Was that the premiere or was that a test, a test screening? That was going to be, I guess, a test screening. Okay. And then it turned up at a theater. Keaton was already born. Yeah. He was a few months old. Okay. It turned up at a theater that's now like a flea market, but it still looks like a movie theater on Lincoln Boulevard in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. And I went with Jimmy and Keaton, who's a baby, to see it. It's, I'd still never seen it. You couldn't like send a link in those days. Yeah. And my baby was sitting on my lap and he looked at me and then he looked at the screen and saw me there and he was horrified. Like he couldn't figure out why is mommy here and there? Oh and no. Like, we got to get out of here. We, we can't <laughs> this child. It's going to traumatize him. So I oh, still no. never saw it. Yeah. And, um, and then I can't even remember when I finally saw that movie. The reception oh, wow. has grown. Oh yeah. All over the world. Um, and it's still growing. Yeah. It has its audience for sure. And I think if it played, if it played a screening today, I think like, even if it was in Hollywood, I think a lot of people would go. You know, yeah. you're right. Oh God, it's so weird. Kellen had the suggestion to do a screening of it, actually. I think that would be a perfect idea. <laughs> That's a good idea. I'd love to. Seriously. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, what were you asking? Eric had a question. What? Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's good. <laughs> uh, don't, don't, don't do a podcast because it doesn't work if you forget your questions. Oh, they write them down. He's <laughs> reading. I know, I love that. Uh, working in a film with John Belushi, uh, Belushi and again with Landis must have been an absolute riot. What was the vibe like filming with that uh, comedic masterpiece? And that's a film that's widely regarded as one of the greatest comedies of all time, Animal it House. It is. Yeah. And Six Degrees of Separation, I have an involvement in that comedy and I didn't even know her and it's this the man who wrote that comedy is named Doug Kenny and he was dating a woman I was doing a play with in 1976 at the public theater for Joe Papp well Doug Kenny and I made friends and we'd have lunch all the time together and we'd tell stories to each other about each other Mm -hmm. and I told him a story as if it happened to me as if, it, but but it didn't. Mm-hmm. It happened to to a friend of my father's name, Ron Shuey, and the story is about when he was at a boarding school. They got a horse into a bathroom. The horse died. Rigor mortis set in. They had to cut the horse up to uh, to get it out. They got the horse out and they nailed the kid who uh, who bought the horse and they threw him out of school. That was Ron Shuey. I told Doug Kenny that story as if it happened to me. And he uh, wrote it in the animal house. So six degrees of separation. Who knew? That's crazy. Wow. Isn't that, that wild? Is crazy. Yeah, I know. That's really weird. <laughs> it's awesome. Wow. Very crazy. And okay, in answer to your question, I was pregnant with Keaton when I did Animal House, and I had morning sickness 24 hours a day. Oh no. So oh, most gosh. of the time I just remember being extremely nauseous. Yeah. Um, and we were, but I it was of course thrilling. Um so we were in Eugene, Oregon. All of us stayed at some crappy hotel. Um, like was thank- we were there over Thanksgiving. We had this like terrible Thanksgiving dinner, like cafeteria dinner and <laughs> paid like nothing. And, um, and it was like being in the military kind of. Yeah. So Belushi and his wife had a house okay. and the people who were a little more crazy would hang out there. You know, some of us were really not into, like, we didn't do drugs or anything, so we didn't go yeah. there. Um, and, um, but, you know, John was the sweetest person in the world and such a professional and so incredibly inventive. Like, uh, the whole food fight and everything was all him. Yeah. 
you know. Um, but it was it was kind of amazing. You know, we we felt like remember a lot of people were unknown. Kevin Bacon was unknown then. Yeah. You know, Tim Matheson was known but kind of undiscovered. Lisa Bauer was unknown. I mean, like, you know, the, this was Tommy Hulse. Um, mm -hmm. you know, that was before Amadeus and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Peter Rieger, Karen Allen. I mean, it's just it's it, Donald Sutherland was known. He was friends with John. So there yes. was, they remain, they've remained friends. But um but all those great people. God. Yeah, we didn't we we didn't by the way, we couldn't get jobs, any of us, afterwards for a long time. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean the movie was a huge hit, but nobody, nobody it took a while to get the cult status. Yeah. 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 Was a uh, was Steven first known at the time? Uh-uh. No. He wasn't. I mean, everybody done stuff, but but we're not we're not known, you know. Belushi drank a lot during filming, didn't he? I heard I heard he would like show up super late sometimes. Well, I mean, he <laughs> he wasn't prompt. That's true. Yeah, I, I heard, that's what I heard. I never thought to credit it to drinking. I mean, he was so there. He was yeah, not, like it didn't matter. He was always just on yeah. cue. Yeah. yeah, he was real wonderful. There was there was times that people were worried. Yeah, you know. And then, of course, we're all devastated, obviously, you know, mm -hmm. victim, but um, but um, but yeah, you know, he he was he was extremely important contributor to mm -hmm. the to how funny that movie was. Oh, but it was very John has John's signature all over it. Don't mm -hmm. you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Easily. Yeah. 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 John and Tim were really a team. I mean, they would kind of conspire, you know, you'd, they'd be whispering and then suddenly the scene would just take you just emerge to be incredible i mean i have a few behind the scenes things about um about lisa bauer mm -hmm. shelly dubinsky is that her yeah that Shelley was her that was her character name which mm -hmm. i can share with you if you want just let me know yeah for sure <laughs> please yeah oh okay well i'll just tell you real quick so as i said like a thousand times i was pregnant um so john called me directly michael chinich was casting it and they're having casting sessions at universal um, I never read for that part. So um, John called me. He's like, Eliza, I have another part for you. Um, it's in this movie I'm doing. And the girl has to take off her shirt. And the auditions are painful because I have to have these actresses take off their shirt. And you have to have a secretary because at least you used to do the word secretary. You have to have a secretary in the room. And it's just completely awkward and uncomfortable. And you're my friend. We've worked together before. So will you just do this part? And I said, so I was going to be Shelly Dubinsky. And I said, sure. Um, he goes, thank God. I can cancel all these auditions. I hate these auditions. And um, I said, now I should tell you I'm pregnant. So when are you planning to shoot? Because, you know, that can affect how I'm going to look if I'm having my shirt off. He goes, oh, let's see. We're not shooting for a couple of months. Uh, let me get back to you. So he calls me right back. And he says, okay, I've written a new part for you. So this way you can be pregnant, it won't matter. Deborah Ndulman, his wife, who's the costume director, um, she'll figure out a way to cover up the pregnancy. So so there, because I was playing a teenage girl in college, right? Mm -hmm. So- um, Can we dance for your dates? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then, so then um, Lisa was very new and she was, she had some kind of condition where she had like an allergy to a lot of things, including alcohol for one thing. And then including, little did she know, marijuana. So I was up there with Jimmy, uh, who was my husband at the time, the father of my children. And she was very nervous. She was so nervous. And it, 
John was having trouble getting the kind of performance he wanted out of her. Um, so she was really nervous. And so Jimmy thought a good thing would be to get her stoned, that it would relax her. So um, the next thing, you know, I wasn't sure what was going on. It's, I was yeah. Awesome. Yeah. it's incredibly stupid. So I, so suddenly I'm watching and seeing her come down the stairs for her scene. Mm -hmm. And she sits down to talk to Tim and she's, her mouth is so dry <laughs> that she could barely form any words. And I was like, and I hear Jimmy say, he's, he's behind me where you couldn't see him off camera. He's like, uh-oh. <laughs> Remember, we were, he was 23 years old. You know, yeah. we were young. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And he says, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to help her, but I don't know if it was a good idea. I'm like, shit. And so, um, are you allowed to say that on your podcast? Of course. Okay. Oh, nuts. <laughs> oh my God. We love so, swear words. <laughs> and you can hear also her delivery when she says, Frank, um, she's supposed to say, I don't know how to tell you this, so I'll just tell you. Okay. He goes, I don't know how to tell you this, so I'll just tell you. Because she was completely stoned and wasn't sure what the line was. Poor <laughs> oh, no. So, and I was so mad at Jimmy. I was so, I felt so guilty myself. And so, um, but anyway, that became kind of the style. And then when she had to do the scene where her shirt was off, she was very shy and freaking out. Tim was so nice. So they had me hold the robe for her. So when she dived out of the car, I could just grab her and stuff. Um, I hear she's quit acting. She was wonderful. I mean, she was really, really wonderful. But I think it was not, you know, most of us fall in love with it when we do it when the first time. I think for her, she fell kind of more in hate of it. Mm -hmm. um, Sarah Holcomb also, both of them were great. But um but yeah, so that's the, so I was supposed to be, so Tim and I still lament the fact that we didn't get to do those scenes together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Stop it, you're on the air. <laughs> <laughs> I got, <laughs> sorry, I got one more. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, did you keep in contact with Belushi up until his passing? Yeah, all of us didn't. And I had the, um, I got married the day before I went to do Animal House. Mm -hmm. And we, I had the wedding, the actual wedding, um, about a month after we wrapped. Oh, okay. At the Bel Air Hotel, and the whole cast and crew were there, um, and I stayed in touch with John. And then I was casting for CBS. Now, actually, we were in talks with him and his people about doing a couple of things, um, and I was in personal talks with him because that's how he liked to do things. He would. He'd hear from his people and then want to find out what was really going on with various shows. Um, John called me at work one day and um, and broke the news. But yeah, we had all stayed in touch. Belushi was in and out of touch. John Landis called me at work. Yeah, John Landis called me at work to tell me what had happened. But um, um, Belushi was, Eric knew Belushi. He actually knew him better than I did. Um, he There was times he'd just disappear because he was binging, you know. Um, oh, but he, he knew him, but yeah, we all stayed, we all did stay in touch. Yes, we did indeed. Uh, yeah, he, yeah. You know, well, okay. you know, he was amazing and, you know, even you getting to be a part of his legacy, that's amazing. I think so too. Listen, we didn't realize it was going to be such a legacy thing. There was a time that Eric and I were driving on Beverly Boulevard near Cedars and, um, we're driving, I'm driving, Eric's sitting next to me and some people scream from their car. Uh, oh my God, oh my God, 
that's you, you know? And Eric's like, yeah, yeah, careful. Like we're in traffic. So they're like, not you, move over. We're talking about her, Animal House, remember? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you don't, you just don't, you just don't realize it when you're, when it's happening. You really don't. Well, Animal House is such a huge part of the industry format. I mean, Big it time. actually changed movies. I mean, oh, it did. Animal House is big. Animal House is much bigger than just a hit movie. Mm -hmm. well, yeah. Because of Jim Belushi, because of Harold's child, of the, you know, it, all kinds of really cool things happen with that movie uh, that, that are cinematic history. Mm -hmm. And uh, John Landis killed. What a movie. Mm -hmm. he discovered talent he didn't just take whoever was the flavor of the month and stuff and also but um but yeah it's true i mean keaton um john calls keaton my son the youngest member of the cast having been a fetus in the film yeah charlie corelli who was our dp his wife was pregnant too and Stephen first wife was pregnant too so we had a whole thing we were all reading the immaculate deception and we were all you know it was like a, a midwife convention there but keaton um you know, now he tours with Otis Day in the Nights. He, he's yeah. you know, become kind of, and he's on Cameo. I'm on Cameo. I mean, oh, it, he is. It, it, yeah, it's just, as a matter of fact, my laptop right now we're talking on is resting on top of a book called John Landis. Oh, nice. <laughs> I just noticed that. Sure. You know, you feel when you're part of something like that, and this happens all the time with Eric's films, you know, like I'm looking through the channels last night, Animal House was on. I feel guilty not watching it. I'm like, oh, <laughs> is great. isn't that funny? But I'm like, kind of, I mean, it's very funny and all. But yeah. Do you guys have trouble watching yourselves on films or not really? He does. Yeah. I, I stopped watching myself about 15 years ago. Oh, wow. I got bored with myself. I got, I got irritated watching myself. I had seen too much of myself. I've been like, oh, that's a guy again. This guy. <laughs> I, I, I just got done with watching me. I just got done. Best yeah. on yesterday against Animal House. That's just, horrible. Just, just like an alphabetical order. Animal House. <laughs> I didn't watch either one. No offense to either of us. Okay. Well, it, it's a common thing for actors. Like they don't want to really see themselves on a screen at times. I mean, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong. No, you're right. Although so I true. have to tell you something. I. I felt really famous. It happened about about a dozen years ago. Okay. I was I was I was like I was like I was like it was about an eight or ten year period where I was really town hopping. I was home like two months of the year. I was all over the world for like two weeks at a time in each city, but all over the world making movies. It was crazy, and uh, I found and I. And I felt really famous, and not because of that, but because in every hotel room, I would turn on the TV and I could find a movie of mine. Yeah, and, and I realized, gosh, I'm famous. This is so much fun. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and I uh, and I I just I just got happy understanding that everywhere I go, out of 160 stations, I'm going to be on one of them. And uh, and I realized that's what fame is, and mm -hmm. that's and. And you're also welcome everywhere when you're recognizable. Exactly. So, so if you if you're not an a-hole, you can really use it to your advantage, and it's really fun, you know. And uh, sometimes they even they even feed you for free. Who knew? Speaking of that, I'm happy you brought that up. You're famous in Russia. Who knew? <laughs> I know, I know. I'm 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 like I'm like Marlon Brando in Russia. It's really yeah. <laughs> well, how did you find out? Like, what are you referring to, Kellen? I, I remember you guys were telling me and um, you showed me that 
outfit that he got that they gifted him from Russia. Yeah, I know. and whenever whenever he goes there, it's just like a mob scene. Yeah, they uh, they 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 uh, they give me these guards in Russia, and they're they're uh, they're uh, they're soldiers, mm-hmm. and I have to tell them because they're they're rough and they're very you know military. I say you have to be nice to people. Mm-hmm. They say no, I protect you. I said, mm-hmm. no, but you have to be nice. You have to be, you have to say, excuse me. And said, you can't, you can't throw them to the ground and hold them down with your rifle. You, you like, you like <laughs> have to be sweet and say, he would love to give you an autograph. Just a minute, please. That yeah. kind of thing. No, I protect you. But, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's so much fun there because they're like, they're like children. And only now in the, only since about the mid nineties have they had access to the whole world. Yeah, and, and so and so and well, since '89, mm-hmm. so uh, so uh, they're behind, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and so but but they're but they're catching up fast. They're catching up fast. I'd love to check it out there once. It's so cool, man, and the most beautiful city I've ever seen in my life anywhere, and I've been everywhere is St. Petersburg. Oh my God! Really? It's like a birthday cake. The whole city. Yeah, it's awesome. special. Next time he has to go there, we'll send you, Kellen. Okay? Absolutely. I'll work at his table with him. <laughs> I'll take Kellen, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. On to my personal favorite film of Eric's, Star 80. Uh, let's see. This is my personal favorite movie of yours, as well as my dad's. Uh, when doing Star 80, I'm sure it was tough initially getting into that role solely because the person you were playing was nothing like you or your personality. <laughs> Uh, what did what did you do to get into that mindset and create such an iconic yet psychopathic character? Well, okay, let me give you a little background. Uh, uh, Bob Fosse and Hal Ashby were my heroes. I was yep. going to work for for both of them mm-hmm. or die. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, so Bob Fosse was making a movie. It was his. First movie after 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 his best director mm-hmm. Academy Award for uh, um, all that jazz. All, all that jazz, yeah. All that jazz. <laughs> so he was the director of of that moment, mm. and he was doing a new film. It was it was it was a biography, and it it was about a hot chick from Playboy. Okay, here we go. <laughs> and she had a badass boyfriend who uh, who uh, married her and then shot her. Okay, sounds interesting. Okay. So anyway, I read the script. I didn't like it. I thought it was on the nose. I thought it was obvious. I thought it was graphic. Uh, it was it was like sad from page one up to the end. It was sad to me. It was like yeah. oh, man, this movie. But yeah. it was a Fosse movie. So I had yeah. to go for it. So I, I, I somehow my manager got a script. Mm-hmm. And uh it was it was illegal how he got it because they weren't handing out scripts. Okay. And I did a bunch of homework, and I went in, and I, and I auditioned five times for him. Wow! And then on the last day in there, he asked me to walk around the room. Mm-hmm. And so I walk around, and he said, "I heard you were a cripple." What? I had uh, had uh, had a car accident you know, before yeah. I met. And he said, "I heard you were a cripple." I said, "No." He goes, "Well, have a seat. Let's talk." So I have a seat. He goes. Want to be in a movie? I said, <laughs> he goes, okay. Okay, but here's the thing. No matter what, mm-hmm. I'm the boss. Yep. Whatever I ask you to do, you do for me, okay? I said, you got it. 
And that's how he operated. And that's how he got that performance. I just sat in his lap and I did what he told me to do. And that's how we created that character. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, he only did a handful of movies. I think he did like eight that he directed. Five. Oh, it was five? Yeah. Um, so what do you think makes him a unique director then? And what was the kinship you two shared on set? Well, it's an overused and abused word, but he was a genius. Okay. And uh, once you're around an artistic genius at their, at their craft, at their vocation, you realize two things. Mm-hmm. You realize that you're not one and that they are a breed unto themselves. Mm-hmm. They are something you're not. And there's something that, that, uh, that, that you can only admire and get on the wagon with. You can't, you can't, you can't redirect it. Mm-hmm. You have to get with it or get off it. Exactly. So I chose to get with it, and I got with him, and I got and I got in real in uh, in a real sync with him, mm-hmm. and uh, we killed it together. But we did it together. Uh, all all humble BS aside, I'm very proud of that of that performance. But I'm in that performance because of him. Mm-hmm. And you, you end up really feeling for her, her character in the film mm-hmm. because yeah. it's got to be a tough life living as like the Playboy model and you're, you're kind of like leeching off her. And yeah, it's, it's a tough movie to, just to watch. Why do you, what do you love about it, Kellen? Why, I'm interested in why, because I, I know it's incredibly good, but what is it about it that made it one of your favorites? Well, I think it's one of his best performances overall. I think um, just like obviously Bob Fosse did a great job directing. I think the ending is just shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it's just really likable characters, I think, that really drew, drew me to it. I've only seen it once. I saw it like a couple of years ago. You know, you know what we did? You know, you'll like knowing this. Bob Fosse shot everything in that movie where, where it really happened. Like oh, wow. where, where, where she died, where I died, we shot in that apartment. That's where, <laughs> that's where we shot it. All the stuff at Playboy all took place at the mansion. Blah, wow. We did all. It was all where it happened is where we shot it. Wow. And uh, every insane. bit of that movie. There's a bunch, a bunch of stuff that was doubled on sets. Yeah. But all the stuff was shot where it happened. And uh, Bob, Bob, Bob Fossey and I even spent the night in that apartment the day before we shot there because he told me to. He said, I'm going to spend the night there. Want to spend the night with me? I said, No. He said, Yes, you do. Come on. Yeah, he's like, you're doing it. <laughs> that must have been a trip just having to be at the locations where these things happened. Yeah. Right? What's that that, say again? It must have been a trip just having to be at the locations where these, you know, incidents actually happened. I mean, yeah, that must have been an eerie experience being like right in the I same feel, spot. I, I realized he was feeding off of it and I fed off him. So whatever fed him fed me. And uh, I was I was a child. I was 25 years old. I, I thought I was a grown up, but I wasn't. And I was just this little puppy falling around my dad, who was about bossy yeah. and uh, whatever he wanted me to do. Yep, I'd, 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 I'd wag my tail and do it. And, yeah. uh, and, and that was really the long and short of it. I mean, I mean, and, and one one more bossy story is uh, we're doing we're doing a scene one day where I'm playing the guitar in my underwear. And I messed up the song and I said, cut. Mm-hmm. We don't say cut on a Fosse set unless you're a Fosse. He likes to see oh. something played out. So he said, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I said I made a mistake. He goes, come here. And he walks away from the set. Now it's a big old sound stage in Zoetrope, uh, Francis from Coppola's old place. B big old sound stage, Jerry. It's as big as a football field. He walks across it. Come with me, he says. I'm in my underwear. I got the whole crew looking at me, walk up behind my posse, my little, you know, skinny legs in my underwear, and I'm and I'm in, and I'm in trouble with the boss. I go up to him and he says, Look at me. I said, I'm looking at you. He goes, Look at me. I said, I'm looking at you, man. He goes, Okay. You're playing me if I weren't successful. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, he and I spent months together, you know, prepping this thing. So yeah. I knew who I was talking to and I knew what he was saying. Mm -hmm. And what he was saying was the most personal direction I ever got from a director ever. And on the way back to set, I watched how he walked and I started playing him. I started playing him completely. That wow. role is only likable to some degree because I'm playing Bob Fosse. Yeah. Yeah. Sometime I'm going to have to have you serenade me with Here Comes the Sun, by the way. That's sad. <laughs> Anyways, uh, moving on to Pope of Greenwich Village, which came out in 84. Uh, what was it like working with Mickey Rourke? It was the best and hardest experience I ever had. Really? I okay. love Mickey to death. He never does his homework. Pain in the ass. Okay. <laughs> no, I, no, no, I didn't say that. He's he's a gold mine of artistic gems every yeah. day. Mm -hmm. In fact, one of my favorite you know performances of all times is his. It's uh, Barfly. Bar, okay. The performance of Barfly takes my breath away. That guy. Mm -hmm. But but you know, he uh, you know, he's Mickey. He like shows up an hour and a half late every day, and he says, "Hey Ace, how you doing? Do you know your lines?" <laughs> and I said, "Yeah." He goes, "Good," because I don't know lines. Oh shoot. And that's that's what we do every day, but you know, he's a brilliant, perfect actor. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's a great time. Yeah, no, I think you guys had such incredible chemistry on on screen. You know, I mean, and honestly, I, I cracked up a lot. You know, just like the dialogue you guys had, and yeah. so I, I wanted to. Which brings me to this question: Was most of your dialogue improv? Because I feel like a lot of it was stuff that you probably had to spitball on camera. At least a handful, right? If it was me and Mickey talking, uh, it was probably improv. <laughs> if, it, if, it, if, it, if it's me with a speech, it's um, Vincent Patrick's words. Gotcha. I love yeah. when you get you get your car ticketed and towed. <laughs> your reaction to that is really great. And that shit his pants. Yeah. Oh, the laxative. <laughs> okay. oh, I'm sure you God. missed that '80s haircut. <laughs> Actually, that haircut was my idea you know my hair straight you know, my, my, yeah. my hair like this but i spent a lot of time downtown watching those guys okay and and and, and they've all got curly hair yeah and uh, and the ones that you don't that they don't have your curly hair it's because they straightened it yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna do my perm so that's that's why i did that and apparently it was supposed to originally star robert de niro and al pacino is that correct i was told it was al pacino and james Kahn. Okay. But I was also told it was Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton. Okay. I'm joking. So, so <laughs> you never know. I, I know I know James Conn and Al Pacino were going to do it, and they both had scheduling problems. It didn't happen, so in a way. But, but that happens all the time in movies. All mm -hmm. the time. I love James Conn. Don't we all? 
Yeah. Our buddy Louis Lazera did his makeup for like many years. Yeah, that's right. He did a uh, eraser. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. I know him. I didn't know he was your friend. That's cool. Yeah. Hey, we... He was on the podcast back, I think in May, June. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Are you telling me? Yeah. yeah we we still keep it. We still keep in touch with him. He's a wonderful guy. Really. Yeah. Is. Say hi for sure. From oh, us. for sure. Definitely. It's kind of ridiculous. There hasn't been a proper Blu-ray release of Pope of Greenwich Village yet. That is weird. I don't know why that's. I don't know. Well, put put it on the internet and let's let's chase it. I'm gonna send it to Criterion. Okay. Uh, yeah. Make a note. I like pretty much any film that's based in New York, good or bad. Uh, the scenery always saves the picture for me. I know you both worked with the Safdie brothers on Good Time, which is and which is another film that I can vouch for as muy, bra- muy bueno, and has that great gritty New York sleaze to it. So, mm-hmm. uh, I was wondering, um, you've been you've both been back and forth from New York a lot filming. Do you enjoy working there? It's my favorite time to work in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a great ex- to to be paid to go to New York and be put up there and stuff. It's heaven. And now you can shoot in the city, so yeah. that's a lot better because you for a long time you couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm from New York, so it's really a pleasure to go home to work, unless it's summer. <laughs> Which part are you from? Manhattan, West 86th oh, nice. Street. I just went to New York for the very first time in my life back in October. I know you did. Where did you stay? Say that again. Where, where did, you stay? did you stay? Oh, uh, Manhattan. I know, but where? Uh, right near Chinatown. Cool. Like right well, outside I'm, of Chinatown. Again, lollipop. And uh, it's dry from talking a lot. Um, uh, no, shooting in New York is fantastic and. When we did the Softy Brother movie, we weren't right in the city. Actually, we were like in Brooklyn. Yeah. Oh, okay. And we were at a prison, and then we were at that at the the bonds the bail bondsman's place. Yeah. That was a real bail bondsman's place. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of outside the city. Where you want some more? So you both seem to be back and forth from New York filming a lot. Do you enjoy working there? And does it have its advantages over working in LA or is all the work pretty much the same to you guys? Hmm. Well, that's a five part question. (laughs) What's the answer? The answer is this. The cops in New York who work movies are the best there are in the world. Great. Because they're easygoing, sweet guys, but they keep the order. Mm Mm-hmm. They like us, they know us, they understand us, they get us, they understand that that actress should not be driving. They understand everything, yeah. they get it, and they're cool about it, and they're sweet. LA cops, not the same thing, but but the the uh, the retired LA movie cops are great, and uh, they're who kind of run our show for us, really, as as actors on location mm-hmm. in town. It's we we uh, we do what the cops say. It's a it's a it's a it's a traffic show. You know, you you, mm-hmm. you put the trailers here and you do this here and this is there and this is there and stay out of the street. Okay, I'm sorry. No yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, and uh, and uh, and the cops run the show for us. And uh, and uh, we we uh, we we uh, do what they say, like uh, like uh, you did with the what uh, what the patrol said in seventh grade. Yes, sir. Yeah, and, and uh, they uh, they uh, they run our show when we're on location, mm-hmm. and, uh, and but the hardest job that goes so overlooked in our industry mm-hmm. is the AD. The uh, first AD is in charge of the whole production. Super important. Yeah, he's the guy, mm-hmm. and never gets mentioned, or her. or her, 
and he never gets thanked. She never gets thanked. And they, they, uh, they get crapped on all day long and they go home to do homework to start it over. And they're, and, uh, and uh, we need to talk about them more. We need, we need to make, to make people aware of them. That it's not just us in front of a camera. Mm-hmm. It's this guy who calls the cameraman, calls the actor, calls the makeup artist, calls, calls transportation, calls the cops, calls everything. It's all organized. Says, okay, let's shoot and action. Okay, director, it's your ball again. And then, and then the, uh, the, the, uh, the director takes over. But it's after the AD's done all the work. Exactly. We never mention him. Shout out to Amy. Shout out to our girl, Amy. <laughs> What's your last right. name? Uh, is it Covell or something? Amy? Uh, yes, of course. Amy Covell. Our Amy. Yes. yes. Shout out to Amy. Yes. Uh, all right. So the year after, we got Runaway Train, which came out in 85, my personal favorite film year of all time. Uh, how was it like working with Danny Trejo? This was his first movie. Well, let me tell you how I met Danny Trejo. So the man who wrote that movie, who also plays one of the prisoners in it with the bald head, is mm-hmm. Eddie Bunker. Eddie Bunker served 17 years in Folsom. Also did a two-year stint in San Quentin. He mm. says to me, I met this I met this Latino dude in San Quentin. I wanted to pick him to box. <laughs> okay. He's a Mexican with a tattoo. I said, okay, great. Looks they pissed off. It's like it's like 30 of them. They line them up. Okay, you're gonna pick a guy to box. Pick the Mexican with a tattoo. Okay, yeah. no sweat. I go in there, they're all Mexican, they all have tattoos. Oh no. So I decide I'm not gonna pick the right one. I'll be right back. Okay. So I go and say, Eddie, come here, come here, come here. There's a bunch of them, they're all Mexican, they all have tattoos. What do I do? He's got a tattoo of a boy in a sombrero on his body right here. You can't miss it. It's as big as he is. <laughs> <laughs> so I go back in and there it is i got him spotted i said i want that guy to box he goes but he's a real boxer i said well we're boxing he said no but he's like you know he was he was a champion at san quentin well yeah. that's why he's here i guess i want him so you pick him out and they say they say to him now can we really hit you can't eric really hit you mm-hmm. he says for what they're paying me he can do anything but kill me and they were they were paying him a hundred bucks. Oh yeah, but he had just gotten out of prison. It was his first job out of prison that Eddie Bunker got him through me, mm-hmm. and uh, that's how Danny Trejo started in movies. Was, was he a scary? Box? Was he scary a dude at first? Like when you first met him, he was the loveliest man I ever met who looked dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> and he lovely, lovely, lovely man, and we maintained our friendship from then until now. Mm-hmm. And you were you were in the documentary that he just put out, right? The inmate number one. Of course, I think it was so. called. Yeah, I remember seeing you in that. And um, he, he was credited actually as Daniel Trejo at the time. Oh, that's I thought it was funny. Well, my name is Eric Anthony Roberts. Don't forget it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you got any more questions for uh, Runaway Train? Well, yeah. Well, because I know like uh, you did boxing in the movie, of course, with uh, with Danny, and then uh, and then you went on to do like Best of the Best as well. Like, did you? So, me as a martial artist, I'm kind of curious. Did you train in martial arts like prior to these movies at all? Uh, I've taken martial arts on and on since, since I was eight years old. Let's, let's go back to, uh, to runaway training stunts. Yeah. When I did a movie called Star 80 in 1982, Bob Fosse wanted me to hang out a 35-story window mm-hmm. and have my face with the scenery as I'm hanging out the window. So they said, no, Eric Roberts can't, cannot do that because he's not a stuntman. 
So let's make him a stuntman, Balthasi says. And they, they, they say, Balthasi, you're crazy. He says, I have an Academy Award. This is what I want. They say, okay. So, so they, they make me a stuntman. I'm a stuntman for that shot. But then I'm a stuntman, so I can do my own stunts. Yeah. So I start doing my own stunts. I think I'm a badass. Hey, 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 hey. You know, I think I'm cool. I, I do my own stuff. Okay. I'm doing runaway train. I'm behind John to stunt double. We're all roped off, but we're on the outside of the train walking. The train's doing about 40 miles an hour. It is cold. Yeah. It is snowing. And I slip about this much. But I realize <laughs> I could die. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I said, you know what? I have no business doing this. Why am I doing this? Yeah. So I said, please get me. I'm, up. I'm an actress. Get me out of here. <laughs> so, so they kind of did. And from that end of this, I don't do my own stunts. I yeah. do this in a fight scene. Huh. Oh. Huh. <laughs> That's what, I mean. what about the martial arts? Talk about the training with Simon Reed. Well, uh, I, I've, I've taken martial arts often on my whole life, uh, but I've never been really, really a formal martial artist. I've just, I've just missed from other friends' dojos. And then, the, and then, and this movie comes up, and they say, "Now, now, are you going to have to fight if you do this movie? And, they, and you're going to have to fight with a, with a technique." And uh, and uh, you know, do you know how to do it? I said, "No." They said, "Okay, we're going to put you with a guy named Simon Marie." He's a martial artist, he, and he's the star of the movie's brother. And uh, so anyway, he and I make friends, and he choreographs all my fight scenes. And, uh, and he's, he's, uh, he's Day Han, the guy with the eye patch mm -hmm. in, uh, in those movies. And in fact, uh, uh, I'm why he's in part two. Thank you very much. <laughs> but Eric faked it really well, I thought, in Best of the Best. With mm -hmm. the stick work and everything, you know. Well, the stick work was, well, I had to learn. That was hard. Yeah. And I hit myself a lot <laughs> stick work. And you how, out of the stick work. And how was John Voight? John Voight was lovely. And here's the thing about John and I. We have opposite politics. Okay. And we have opposite understanding of, of the world we want at large. Opposite. A and Z. He and I never discussed a thing except our characters and our location, our discomfort and our happiness. Mm -hmm. That's all we ever discussed on that set. And we pretty much only discussed it in character. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, and like, you know, they would, they would drop us in the tundra from a helicopter. So they had no tracks and they would say, run. <laughs> and, 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 and we'd run. And mm -hmm. John would get so mad that I didn't have to get mad. Because John was always angry. They're not taking care of us. They're gonna. They're risking our lives. They know what this is. Ba 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 ba. And he was right. He was never wrong. Mm -hmm. But so I just, I just would say, yeah, what he said, you know. And and you know, John was, John was a champ every day. And John also only weighed what I weigh now, which is about hundred and seventy-five pounds. And John mm -hmm. is six foot two so john wore a whole bodysuit so he uh, he he uh, he looks huge he's not that's a bodysuit so john's whole character was magnificent in that because it's not john voight mm -hmm. john voight is like me he's a yeah. skinny cat who 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 does not look threatening 
Mm-hmm. And uh, but but he was in that movie, and he was because of a bodysuit and and just that acting he can do because he is a brilliant first-rate everybody's actor actor. Oh, he's and, perfect. Uh, blew me away, blew mm-hmm. me away every day. And that's another one of my favorite roles that you've done as well. And uh, yeah, that movie it. that movie makes me feel cold for some reason. It's just all the <laughs> snow, like I don't know. You just like feel like you're there. <laughs> well, let me let me tell you a real quick story about the actor's choice. When I was out with that movie, you know, he was he was kind of a dumb thug, and uh, he was out in New York. Yeah, in fact, he was out of New Jersey, I think. Okay, I think somewhere like that. Anyway, um, somewhere like Bergen County, Jersey. Some anyway. So so, uh, but when I read the script, he's in for statutory rape, and I said, you know, you can't have a guy with a voice as deep as mine in for statutory rape. Something is wrong with that. It sounds freakish. It's not cool. But you have a guy talking like, yeah, I know she was 14. I didn't know. You know, <laughs> you, you can squeak by with statutory right. If you just didn't know, if you sound kind of stupid anyway, you know, and you just don't know, and you know, your voice ain't too deep, so you don't sound like, you know, you're a sexual threat all the time. What? You don't sound like a man. You don't sound like a so that's So that's what I did with that guy because... I love the part. I love the dialogue, but the situation being a grown up in trouble with statutory rape, you got to be careful mm-hmm. because you can be very dislikable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. On to uh, best of the best. I still have to see the sequel. So if you got any questions on the sequel, I've only seen the you first one. You haven't seen best of the best part two? No, I've, I've only I seen the first find one. It. I can't seem to find Best of the Best 2 anywhere. I've been wanting to watch really? it. Along with that. That's ridiculous. I saw Best of the Best for the first time last year, but never got to the sequel. Here's what we do. Simon Rhee has a, has a Taekwondo school in, in, in LA. Woodland Hills. Okay. In Woodland Hills. Woodland Hills. I'm going to write that down. That's yeah. Crazy. You get in touch with Simon. You say, where, how do we get part two? And he will, mm-hmm. he will take care of it for you. And the whole world should, should know that. So mm-hmm. I tell the whole world that on the show. I'll order a DVD probably just off eBay for now. Yeah. yeah. No, I'd love to check out his school, actually. I mean, that'd be- yeah, you should. You're yeah. a martial artist. He's so wonderful. Oh, of course. Yeah. I train up in a Burbank at a, at a Taekwondo school up there. So yeah. 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 That's great. That's good. So well, how was, yeah. how was working with Sally Kirkland? Sally uh, was, Sally and I got, got, got a really close during that movie. I said, mm-hmm. Sally though, Sally and I have seen each other movie 30 times since in it. Social events. And we've been in a couple events. of movies together too. Oh yeah. Yes. Have we done I'm, I'm didn't you do something recently with her? I thought you did something. Yeah, recently. very recently. We've, we've, we've like seen each other so often that that we're we're like really good friends. You know, Sally, yeah. Sally, Sally Wood. We did Sally Wood. Sally Wood. That's right. Oh, okay. Sorry, yeah. I didn't remember until just now. Sally Wood. Yes, that was even fun to do. Yeah. No, Sally. Sally and I really made good friends. And Sally, Sally, Sally is almost brilliant people who hates herself I've ever known. She mm. is a brilliant, brilliant actor who never believes how brilliant she is. Oh, she's great. Oh, she's, she's a brilliant actor. She's people, a veteran too. She's yeah. been in so many things. People don't, don't know how great she is. She mm. is a brilliant actor. You know her manager is Valerie McCaffrey, the same, the same. Um, is she really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't know that. There are, Valerie produced Sally Wood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was up for best actress for Anna in like I think was that 89? Yeah, yeah the eighties. Yeah. She didn't win. I, I thought she won. No, I think 
Did she's she an win? amazing person. She was nominated. Yeah, and they and that movie's not available anywhere either, too. Yeah. Yeah, we wanted to check out Anna, but Anna's not available anywhere either. We had her on the podcast. It got it got a Academy Award nomination. I know it's crazy, right? That's weird. We had her on the podcast a few months ago, and we were talking. We she wants us to contact Criterion, just like for you. Right, good. You should. (laughs) Um. Okay. Apparently, so Kane Hodder was on Best of the Best. Did you get to meet him? Sure. Amazing dude. Great cat. Really normal. Really sweet. Yeah. Yeah, his documentary that he did a few years ago, To Hell and Back, is just brilliant. Is he a martial artist? Yeah. So he's the guy that accidentally punches the girl in the face in the bar scene while everyone's playing pool. He had an amazing documentary that I just said, Hell and Back. Um, how much fun was that whole fight scene in the bar? And that's got to be a highlight of your career, I'm guessing. <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you. You owe that fight scene every, every, every piece of it to a Philip and Simon and they worked it out completely weeks before they met any of us. They just did it in their heads and did it with each other and did it all. And they said, here's the fight scene. And they laid it out for us and the actors and the stunt men got together and we made it work. But it was all Philip and Simon. It was all them. That fight scene is one of the most fun to watch fight scenes mm-hmm. ever in cinema. And it's because of those two brothers. It's pretty long too, isn't it? That's like a few minutes. Yeah, it's it's like it's a it's a couple of minutes long. Yeah, I don't think there's ever going to be a, a longer fight scene than the one in They Live, though. <laughs> with Roddy Piper. Oh my god! I know. I know. That's hilarious. Yeah, but no, I've I've noticed like Simon and Philip, they've done a lot of action movies together, and they're just so phenomenal on screen. I've seen like I think a Simon, I think it was Simon, he did Showdown in Little Tokyo with Dolph and right. Brandon Lee. Yeah, like, these guys have. They built a hell of a resume, like literally. And uh, you got to work with James Earl Jones, who with the worked we worked on him with the uh, the ambulance as well. Several times. came out the following year. How's he to work with? James is just the sweetest, easiest. You can't hassle him. You can't roughle him. You can't throw him. You can't. He's yeah. Just, yep. Move. This is CNN. <laughs> he always he always works in everything he's in. Yeah, he's just that guy. He's just and, that guy. And he's and he's and he's perfectly polite. He's perfect. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's James approachable. James played a he plays a very hard ass character on like in the movie. Like so, like how did he like get into character? Did he just like switch on and off from like being the nicest and sweetest guy to being this hard ass character? He's an yeah. actor, you know. He's just yeah. he's just James Earl Jones. And okay, I gotta yell at you. Okay, I'll be yelling at you now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, I got to go home and see my son. He's like, you're staying or you're out. <laughs> you're staying or you're out. <laughs> How did you get in the right uh, headspace to do all those crying scenes? Uh, well, I'll be honest with you. I cheat. Okay. I use menthol. Oh, yeah. Right below your eye. Yeah, they, uh, they blow a little menthol in your eye and your eye get all water and everybody feels sorry for you. And they go, oh, what a great actor. You know, it did. works. It <laughs> works great, though. Yeah, who knew? I tried it once. Yeah. How did, how did it work for you? It hurt. It burns. <laughs> but everybody felt sorry for you, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I wasn't filming anything. I was doing like a self-tape for a friend. So I don't know. Good. <laughs> and can you still do those crazy jump rope tricks? I couldn't do them then. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I could just be, you know, whoa, guys. 
Thank God I got to it. Did you get it? We got it. Great. Cause I can't do it twice. It's like a thousand, a thousand takes. Yeah. <laughs> I am not an athlete. I never was. I pretended to be all through high school, but I, I sucked, but you know, I pretended and then, and then, you know, and uh, I did a little martial arts to, uh, to look cool and to be cool with my friends, but I was not a martial artist. And then, and then, you know, I get this movie and thank God for Simon Ray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we all pretended a little bit. <laughs> yeah. 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 I have to ask about uh, the late Chris Penn. What was it like getting to work with uh, him? Love Lovely it. cat. One, one of my, one of my buddies and, yeah. uh, and uh, did a lot of hanging with Chris mm-hmm. and uh, loved him. Um, loved him. And I, th- I thought he was magnificent talent. Thought he probably knew at least of all of us. Mm-hmm. But thought he was magnificent talent. And, uh, but you know, you know, I, you know, he, he had, he had issues with stuff, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and with drinking, yep. but he was magnificent human and, uh, he will, he will always be missed by me. Kellen, you need to ask Prairie her experiences because Prairie and Keaton were both in best of the best part too. No way. Yeah. And Chris, I can't remember the whole story. She'll remember. I think somehow we had to go from one location to another and there were certain production cars going and certain personal cars. And somehow Chris, certain people, when the kids were on set, they really gravitated towards them like Rosie O'Donnell and Chris. Okay. And somehow Chris ended up driving the kids. Wow. And I can't remember exactly, but I, I remember the look on their faces when they got out of his car. Horrified or happy? Mom. Oh, no way. That's not a grown up. You just put us in a car with, I don't know if he was, you know, a little intoxicated or what happened exactly. Ask her because she'll remember. I don't, I, I don't want to lead you, but something happened where they loved him dearly. Yeah. But, um, it was not a good parenting moment on my part. Little did I know. I was, was just, like he was like, Hey, come on kids. You know, come with yeah. Me. You know, yeah. I was I was just with Morgan the other day. I asked her to do it um, sometime in the future. She just doesn't think she'd be interesting enough. And I'm like, I, and she's very shy. She's shy you know, you, she you hates this stuff so much. She, yeah, she's wrong. Just she's so interesting. She's so funny. And she's so she so tells funny. the best stories though. She yes, does. So know, tell her. Just get her to do it. Just tell her you'll I'm do gonna, like a ten minute with her. I absolutely will. Okay. All right. And anybody, it. anybody listening, uh, Morgan does the best pies in LA. So go to at pie bake shop on Instagram or look up Morgan Simons on Instagram. She just makes the best pies. In Remember LA. it's pie bake shop. P I like the pie. Yeah. Sign. Yeah. Go. Like the, the mathematical P I bake shop. Yeah. All right. Do you got any more on best of the best? Um, the, well, just one more. So the tournament location that wasn't actually in uh wait, was it Japan or Korea? They went to in the movie. Like it was wow. in, it was probably in LA, right? California city. California city. Okay. Yeah. And also we shot in Vegas. Um, we shot Vegas, California city, downtown Los Angeles. Um, definitely not overseas. Yeah. yeah. I figured yeah. as much. <laughs> Movie <Yeah>. magic. <laughs> yep, exactly. Random, random thing to say, but Nick Cage has done so many movies in Vegas. Like I swear to God, there's gotta be like five Nick Cage movies that are all in Vegas. Yeah, yeah but he did one of the best movies ever made in Vegas. Leaving Las Vegas. Vegas. What a movie, dude. And he won Best Actor for that one. Yeah, who knew? Yeah. But what a movie. He's hilarious. He's hilarious. What a movie. What a movie. I love that movie. Excellent movie. Yeah. So next year we got The Ambulance. 
which you got to work with the amazing Larry Cohen. Uh, he made one of my favorite movies, The Stuff, which also came out in 85. Yeah. Love this guy to death. Um, really sad to hear he passed a couple years ago. Um, such a nice gr- guy, too. Such a nice guy. We met him like once. Yeah. And, and it was all real. He was that guy. Exactly. He acted like that guy. He was that guy. And he, he would come to me and he would say, like, so, Eric, I was looking at this <laughs> shoot today. And, well, you know what? I don't like it. And, yeah, I know I wrote it. But I don't like it. And, <laughs> and you know what? Let's do something else. I said, sure, what do you want to do? I haven't decided yet. That's what I worked for Larry. It was like, okay, whatever you're ready, let me know, dude. And, and, but, yeah. but he 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 would. And um, he was one of the most gentle, likable, hey, let's try that kind of a guy <laughs> yeah. you've ever seen. And uh, he loved making movies like I like making movies with the, the exact same stuff, the exact same yeah. type. We're on the set, dude. Can you believe it? And yeah, that, and he was such a film fan too. Yeah, he was yeah. So into it. And and he he was just a pleasure. And he was, uh, what you saw is what you got, mm-hmm. which is not always the case in in our in our vocation. And oh, your dog is so lovely. Look mm-hmm. at that. He's so happy. Oh my god, uh, that is likable. Watch your head. That is so likable. Look at that. Oh, <laughs> oh, he's a dad. What are you Did doing? you say Snoopy? Uh, Scooby. Like Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo. Lovely. Scooby, Scooby Doo. You're such a good dog, Dad. Scooby Doo's a good boy. <laughs> he's a very fast dog, too. I've seen him run. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> He'll beat anybody in a race. And yeah, uh, we have one of those. We 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 had a dog named Muddy after Muddy Waters, and he was half pit bull, half German short hair. And he used to run, and it was like it was like watching muscle run. It was like, wow, look at the muscle. Oh yeah, they're wild. It was so much fun to have. Scooby's him. taking a break now, though. Yes, right. uh, he always rests when I do the podcast. <laughs> oh, he does. Yeah, Shooting, smoking dope. Yeah, <laughs> Scooby, Scooby's got to lay off the doobies. <laughs> um, so Larry Cohen, you did a documentary on him recently, King Cohen, which is excellent. People should go check that out immediately. I think it's still on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Um, his guerrilla style filmmaking was absolutely unreal and completely innovative for the time. Uh, he came up, he came up for the, the 1990 film, the, the Ambulance, in which you star because of a poor experience he had in an ambulance himself. I'm not sure if you guys knew that. Um, I that. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then uh, what were your best memories of working with him? Because he was absolutely one of a kind and he gave his actors a lot of freedom. He was able to make films his own without a lot of interference and was a very nice and open man while doing it. Well, you can go on and on with Larry Cohen's stories, but let me just tell you one extreme story that kind of tells you the kind of guy that he was. And it's this. Okay. He says, to me, I know in pre-production, we talked about this is going to be a special effect. I think I can do it in that I think I can do it. Yeah. Okay. What do you mean? Well, you know, you know, when you come out of the ambulance on the gurney, bang, and you're only, I found the hill. <laughs> I found the hill that's three quarters of a mile long, and it's a straight line. I found this hill. After have to use it. <laughs> Okay, will you do it? Let's do it in pieces. Yeah, yeah, we'll do pieces. But I gotta have one. It's the whole hill. My God, I'm like, 
You're talking a three-quarter mile hill on a gurney, me with my head first? What? No, not head first, feet first. Yeah. Oh, that changes everything. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, so, and so we did it. We did. And we did it to the point where as I'm doing it, and I'm, I'm, I'm a kind of a guy who's game. I will try anything twice. Exactly. And as I'm doing it, I'm thinking, what the F is wrong with me? What have I done? As I'm going down the hill, feet first, realizing they don't have brakes on gurneys. Thank you. They have lift ups, but they don't have brakes. You're mm -hmm. on your own, dude. And uh, we, I'm, I must have turned over 30 times, maybe. Oh and uh, but we got it, and it's so cool. And it's because, you know what? I think, <laughs> I think we can do this. And so we did it. And, uh, but I did it because he's so likable, and he was so. He was so ridiculous. What? Okay, I'll try that. <laughs> that's that's sort of like working for him. Yeah, he wasn't really known for directing other material, and usually only worked on stuff that he he actually wrote himself. Um, right. Did Did Larry like to do a lot of takes, or were there very few? Very few. Okay. Like like you know, just like let's roll with it. Yeah. And yeah. In fact, almost everything was shot and done. Shot and done. Okay, we got it. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Is it his wife a therapist? I'm not sure. Remember. And then isn't he? He's into models, like like um, replicas and models and comic books and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. All right, and then in uh, 1994, we got Love Is a Gun. Uh, I just got around to seeing most of it. I didn't make it through the whole thing, but um, I got to say, you guys have really good chemistry in it from what I've seen so far. And I, I thought it was hilarious when Eric locks you in the bathroom. Yeah. That, well, I have, I, have, I have a story about call that. Call him Boy. So I'm offered that movie by a producer of some renown, but I happen to be aware that he used to be a boyfriend of my wife's. But, you know, yeah. okay. He offers me this movie. I read it. I like it. Okay, yeah. I want to do it, but I like this part for you. I think you should play this 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 love interest in this movie with me. Well, I can't just announce that I want the part, so you'll have to tell the uh, the producer, my ex boyfriend, that you want that if you want that. Okay, so I'm on the phone with him talking about the script, blah blah blah. Oh, by the way, I want Eliza to uh, to play my girlfriend in the movie. He goes, that's not going to happen. I said, well, well, when that can't happen, call me back. Yeah. And so he called back about a week. Yeah, okay. And he let her be in the movie. Okay. And uh, she stole the movie. I mean, it, she's fantastic. Oh, she's excellent in it. I know. I know. Well, there's another t little twist to that story. Um, first of all, he had cast me in a lot of things and wanted to use me. He couldn't because his wife was very sensitive to us having had a relationship. Mm -hmm. He was banking on that Eric would be sensitive to it and not want me to be around him. Yeah. But Eric was kind of over it. I'd be around him anyway because he'd be on set anyway most of the time. Mm -hmm. So he wanted me to do it, but he could not present that idea at home. Mm -hmm. That was going to be an issue. And um, his wife is a very famous actress and, and she See, was going to be pissed typical, off. A typical actor telling the story. I think when I tell the story, it's about me. Yeah. He thinks to tell the story, it's about... Kelly. Yeah. Preston? Kelly Preston. I know, but it has nothing to do with Kelly Preston. 
I mean, about her being sensitive to the no, fact. No, that's she was with John Travolta. That's right. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, confused. Not yeah, his no, wife. Yeah. <laughs> friends. I know Kelly since Jimmy DeSantis. Uh, before that, actually. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> but, um, that's why Jonathan. He wanted me to play the part too. That he just didn't think he could. He could pull it off and stay married. Yeah. And um, so then they had oh, me. Oh, Sally. Yeah. Oh, Sally Kellerman. Eric. Yeah. God. Well, that was his wife. I know, but it's not a good thing to do that. Cut. Anyway, um, <laughs> edit, edit that. Um, but he, they had me audition, and I had to audition for that part. Okay. And audition, and then, and everybody was like, "Come on, Jonathan." And Jonathan was like, "Yeah, obviously, you have to play this." So, and we had the most wonderful time, Kelly. And Eric and I and the director and stuff. It was pretty fun. It was movie. fun shoot. Mm -hmm. right. The longest monologue I've ever learned is in that movie. Jet was there, their baby. And that was when I talked Travolta into doing um, uh, Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Fiction. Oh, yeah, my God. My favorite, my favorite Tarantino, for sure. Yeah. yeah uh, John John showed up on the set and had a talk with her one day about, yeah, I've been offered to sing Pulp Fiction, but it's so violent. I don't know. This is... And she, you got to do it, John. You got to do this. Uh, this Tarantino guy, everybody loves him. You got to do it. Yeah. Yeah, because the person who made, you don't, you guys don't know this probably, the person who made Love is a Gun also made Look Who's Talking. And I and I was okay. um, an actress for that company and also head of casting and, and um, VP of talent and packaging. So mm -hmm. we managed Travolta. Um, and we, we created um, Look Who's Talking for him to bring his career back. Mm -hmm. And um, and he John is such a nice person. Um, he wanted to stay with that kind of vibe, but there was no doubt that he needed to do the Tarantino movie. So mm -hmm. yeah, that was funny. And Eric, Eric's auditioned for Tarantino before, I believe. Mm -hmm. In the past, every movie he makes, I auditioned for him. <laughs> Just about. <laughs> yeah. So what's his audition every process? He, makes, he says no, thank you, Eric Roberts. That's not exactly. What were you asking, Helen? <laughs> I just, I heard, yeah, I heard he's kind of like tough in the audition process. I wouldn't be surprised if he's hardcore. <laughs> he's very OCD is what he is. It's not that, um, um, is a visionary. He yeah. loves things. And Eric's also exactly the person who he's, that's what he does. He takes iconic actors mm -hmm. and at a time when, you know, there's a difference, they're in a different place in their career. Their star is shining a little, is being outshone by some other stars. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he's, uh, that's what he does. And, um, so, and he loves Eric. He absolutely loves him and everybody, I mean, people on the street are like, how have you not been in a Quentin Tarantino movie so far? Yeah. But what happens is I'm not sure. I mean, I think we all have to examine ourselves psychologically when the stakes are highest and the, the benefits we can reap are the, the greatest. Is that when we are the best at sabotaging ourselves? Because we should stop that. <laughs> and, um, what happened was like with Django and also with mm -hmm. um, the other one where they're riding horses around and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, Hateful they Eight. They shot it in, um, in Telluride. Okay. Um, anyway. Hateful Eight. Yeah. Hateful Eight. Yeah. Um, we were doing Suits and Lost Girl in Toronto and Quentin wanted Eric to come. Vicky Thomas does his, who's a genius, does his, um, his casting. And Quentin just wanted to talk to Eric about it and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, we flew in, went to Quentin's house and spent a large part of the day there. Mm -hmm. And then he wanted him to audition and audition again. And this was for Hateful Eight. And, um, and we literally flew, we brought, we brought Chris Daughtry with us because he was dying to meet Quentin. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And, and Vicky was Why like, him? you're crashing the audition with some guy. It was just, but then as Quentin walked by the room where we were with, hanging out with Chris, he stopped, did a double take hearing, Chris Daughtry. And then Vicky felt better because like- Oh, he likes his music? Daughtry, he's a huge Daughtry fan. Oh, wow. And of course for Chris, that was a big, Chris is a sweetheart and he's our friend and Keaton's friend. But anyway, um, we literally flew, shot in the morning in Toronto, both shows, flew to LA, did more auditioning for Quentin, got back on a plane, flew back to Toronto and went straight to set. Um, And you know, Toronto's clear across the country. but the but, full five-hour flight. But yeah. Eric, when he auditioned for Django at Vicky's office, and then again with Hateful Eight, Quentin had something very specific he wanted. It was just in terms of speed and volume mm-hmm. and energy. He wanted this kind of hyper thing from Eric, which I think he got in his head from Pope. That's very yeah. not Eric. Yeah. But and Eric has saw it a different way. Yeah. What usually happens with Eric is he'll see it a different way and then kind of go through that try it and find his way to kind of merging with what the director wants if it's and a like tweak, tweak giving, it a little bit i always end up giving the uh, the uh, director what he asked for but i have to go through my process too but i don't i don't mm-hmm. so, 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 so subject them to that but to you did pro- in this case in this case auditioning for quentin is more like the first few days of work you're already mm-hmm. in the part mm-hmm. uh eric just wouldn't sort of budge yeah and I was listening at the door, <laughs> Vicky, and we were dying because we heard what was happening. And we knew Eric could do whatever Quentin wanted and would do yeah. whatever Quentin wanted and just wouldn't do it at the moment. He needed to do it to get the role. So then when he was doing Dark Knight, they hung out together a lot because Quentin happened to be in London at the same time. Louder, louder, louder. And I yeah, speak up. <laughs> faster. Wait. I was not loud. I was not fast. Anyway, the point is, yeah, John Johnson played one of the roles. Anyway, the point is, um, <laughs> Next time, don't do that. Uh, I didn't know what's happening then. Okay, but <laughs> he but, still uh, has one more picture. He's got like the tenth film in the canon, apparently. Okay, so is he is he going to be doing something? Yeah, yeah, he's doing another one. Okay, I'm going to write a note to him. <clears throat> yeah, we we would love to see Eric in a Tarantino movie. Exactly. Absolutely, you no, know, but everybody. Wow, me too. I've run into Tarantino several times. Never got to meet him, but I stood in front of him twice. And here's the I last time you have to say you're friends with Eric. Look, was that a picture of you guys? Oh yeah, there you, you are. I photo, I photo bombed him. Yeah. <laughs> was- He's super wonderful, Callan. <laughs> yeah. Clo- closest I ever came to Tarantino was just when I was doing extra work for uh what was it once upon a time in hollywood and oh, yeah and, and you're very and what you said about how he's very like ocd and picky you're not wrong about that yeah he would look at all the extras like we were all dressed as hippies right. <laughs> go figure and he's just like no they need to lose this it needs to look more authentic and i get that i totally get that he wants yeah. something to be historically accurate i mean i probably would right. be the same way too right no yeah. exactly he, he really hears it this is like a symphony in his head and you just have got to you know, you got to honor it because it's mm-hmm. it, it's pretty magnificent. Even if it's there's certain things that are going to be a mistake, they have to be like his signature on them. Oh, know? his his films are all beautifully put together, and honestly, everything he writes too is fantastic. Like you know, True Romance, Natural Born Killers. I mean, yeah. I love him. In- one of my favorite screenplays I ever read. I Which one? Django. Brilliant. Oh, yeah, oh, man. A masterpiece. Oh man! Another tough movie to watch, though. Yeah, yeah, I can't talk about it. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. And uh, what was I going to say? I don't know, I forgot. Um, so back to Love is a Gun. You, Eric, you have one of the most convincing fake puking scenes I've ever seen in a movie. 
Like literally that made me sick watching that. <laughs> okay, wait, wait. Okay. Don't forget this. You need to go on YouTube, you guys. Okay. Look up something called Beautiful Pain, the movie. Beautiful Pain. I'm doing it right now. All right, I'll Beautiful screenshot Pain, it. Beautiful Pain, the movie. It's very early in the movie. Eric even tops the throwing up scene in Love is a Gun in his throwing up scene in Beautiful Pain, the movie. It's so real that I thought it was real. But yeah. I go all throwing up to Bob Fosse. Really? Here's why. Um, Did you puke and start 80? I don't remember. <laughs> Bob Fosse says to me, window. when you're, hang out the window and we pull you back in, I want you to throw up. I oh, said, yeah. out of breath. I want you to be able to gag. I said, I know myself. I'm going to be scared. I won't be able to. Uh, yeah. Said, okay. We're going to give you a mouth of minestrone soup. Oh, no. Okay. But the minestrone soup was not the vomit. The minestrone soup made me vomit. I mean, it was awful. I threw up all over myself and I couldn't <laughs> stop. I was puking and puking and puking and puking. <laughs> and, I give, and I give one good ad lib. Oh, it's the only ad lib in Star 80, by the way. And it's this. That's a $400 suit. And uh, that, that was my ad lib because I'd been amazed that morning to find out the suit I was wearing was $400. Yeah. I'm from a very poor background. I never had a $400 suit. So I was wearing a $400 suit. And I said that to myself, $400. So that was real. That was all genuine reaction. <laughs> Who knew? Wow. Who knew? It all my worked. My favorite gen. My favorite. I can't go near Minnesota suit ever since 1983. Oh, I love that soup though. <laughs> um, one of my favorite like general reactions to something happening in a, in a real scene is uh, Midnight Cowboy with Dustin Hoffman, where he's just like, "I'm walking here." <laughs> That's probably my favorite personally. Somebody um, knocking. And I had no idea going into it that Arlie Ermy was a part of that one. How was yeah, it working? Yeah. Yeah. How was he? lovely he's so great i cast him in a lot of things too he's so what a trip i mean the guy's the real thing yeah not just an actor oh and the whole military experience yeah um, I, well, you can go on youtube too they have his memorial service like on youtube like the whole yeah. tribute yeah. video they did for him and it's it's just amazing yeah oh i want to see that yeah it's like a have... half hour long too did Arlie ever share any of his uh, his Vietnam stories with you? I, I think he served in Vietnam, correct? He did, he did yeah. share. Mm -hmm. yeah. And not with me. No? Yeah, he was yeah. incredible. And then uh, we also not had natural. Grant Kramer on the podcast uh, a couple months ago. And I want to know, how did you like working with him? He just, got, he just recently got off doing that last De Niro film, The uh, War with Grandpa, which came out a few months ago. Oh, yeah. He produced that. Yeah, he did? Yeah, it was like executive producer or something. Yeah, so he was great. Mm -hmm. Love him. Did you see the kitty? Sweetie pie. Mm -hmm. Is that Stevie Nicks? That's Stevie Nicks. That's Stevie. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> that was good. Um, okay, and my buddy here has got questions for the specialist. Yeah, so I, I, me personally, I like any movie that's shot in South Florida because me personally, I'm – South Florida native, actually. Miami Vice, oh. so, Miami Vice, Miami Vice. Yeah, Miami Vice. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but anyways, yeah. So this is like when you were starting to become like an action star. Like like people were starting to label you as an action actor. I would say so. Like uh, getting to work with two of the biggest action stars, James Woods and Sylvester Stallone, and the she was just starting to break out into Hollywood too. Sharon Stone. Tell us about working with all three of them. Well, 
uh, they were all much, much bigger stars than uh, than uh, you just you just presented them as. Well, no, only she, Shannon. She was, was a like, superstar. Jimmy Woods was he? He, he no. He they, he said they were action stars. Sly yeah, and Jimmy were yeah. action stars. No, Sharon. She had done that Afri the Queen of Africa or whatever movie and got this terrible reviews. She's married to. That's right. That's right. Plus, I forgot that because Vegas she, Hotel Wars. And for then, some yeah. reason, to me, she's always been a big star. Afterwards, she did Casino hmm. and stuff. But anyway, yeah, I love Casino. Uh, I love working with her. I had heard horrible stories. You know, I've I've heard horrible stories about everybody, including myself. Oh and yeah. I, I just I just loved her. But who I loved the most was was a was a Steiger, and um, he was he was just. An immovable force. He was this. He was this great big dude physically, who who had this perfect Cuban accent, and uh, this perfect perfect performance, and only talked to me as his son in character, and uh, was completely method, and uh, I just fell in love with him. He was so cool. And uh, one day, um, the uh, the second AD comes out to the pool where I'm hanging out. With uh, what was Steiger's first name? Rod. Rod Steiger with 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 Rod and the um, second AD says to two hundred extras. Now when Sly Stallone walks out here, don't make eye contact with him, okay? So she goes away. Mm -hmm. Rod Steiger yeah. turns to me and he goes, "I can't wait." So okay, here, charger. Here comes keep, keep here comes Sly. And Rod says, and says, ladies and gentlemen, please don't make eye contact with the great Sylvester Stallone. And he <laughs> Oh yeah, it was not cool. It was not cool. I'm I'm I I never stood up. I stayed seated very humbly, very quiet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Rod Rod was a riot, dude. He was a riot act. And uh and uh, so um yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Somebody just told me yesterday that in real life, Sylvester Stallone's kind of a man of a, a few words. He doesn't talk too much, like in between. I've I've always had an easy time talking to him. He's a, he's he's a, he's very social. He's very sweet. He's very smart. Yeah, and, and he's very funny. He's mm -hmm. a funny cat, and uh, he's just likable, dude. He's a likable guy. Uh, he 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 like catches. So much grief because he's such a star and he's such a butch star. Rocky and Rambo. I mean, they're the, they're the biggest hits ever made, pretty much. Yeah. And, he, and he's just—he's a massive physical specimen in uh, both those movies. For for is it is it twelve movies? If you add all those up, twelve movies of of of, of Rocky. 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 There's so many, including there's like offs with Creed. Creed. Yeah. If you if you include Creed, I think there's eight. yeah, and then there's, there's like five eight Rambo movies. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. that's who he and yeah, mm -hmm. I love him. I I think he's fantastic. I think he's the American dream. I like yeah. him in Copland too. Oh, Copland's great. Copland. Yeah. 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 Would you say that like because obviously the specialist? I I'm correct me if I'm wrong. Was your first like explosive action film that you did? Like so like would you say this paved the way for you doing a lot more of like? No, like I had done maybe fifty B movies in Canada that were shoot 'em up <laughs> movies. So wow. I had done tons of bad movies. They they bam 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 got him and uh, t tons of those. Well, a lot of that was after though, because remember, was Specialist it? was very, was pretty early in our relationship. And what year is Specialist? Specialist, 94. 94. Specialist is 93, that's right, 93. Uh, 
Yeah, so I had not done that whole slew of B movie action. That was the thing. That's You're what I right, mean. dude. I Thank you for the, for, the, for the steerage. That yeah, of course. The beginning <laughs> of my of my action stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't think about it because I've done so much since. Like this avalanche has happened since, and yeah. especially HD changed everything because HD oh, yeah. now it took three months, takes three weeks, literally. Yeah. And it takes would takes would takes a month. Honestly, it takes three days now. And a guy can just go on his computer and just put in all the graphics. Done, right. Exactly. And, you know, and just on a side note, I think like the way action films were made back in the 80s and 90s, it's so much better than today. You know, like when they used blank rounds, they actually blew shit up. And, you know, it's yeah. so much better. It feels more real. It feels I know. like that. Yeah. I wish, I wish people would do that still. I Wait, really do. What happened to Hollywood? Artists ran Hollywood forever since, <laughs> since, uh, since silent film days. We, we had to be executives who weren't, who weren't artists, but they liked the artists and they worked with the artists. Artists ran Hollywood. Now came the 80s, the end of the 80s came and what happened, it, it, it like dropped off. Artists don't run Hollywood, lawyers run Hollywood. Mm -hmm. So they took away film, they took our medium away and they gave us HD because it's cheap and it's fast and you don't have to be a technician to turn it on, an on switch, you just turn it on. That's all there is to it. And so the only thing more difficult is the actual focus. They have to stand at a monitor and to watch and to pull focus. It's very difficult. It's much harder now than it was on film. That's the only part of it that's, that's, that you have to have really, you have to have a talent for. All the rest of it is just switches. And they don't like the actors anymore. They like the sets and the actor walks through it. They don't like an actor anymore. So uh, the, uh, the DP's job is very different now and everything moves at lightning speed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you were... about the specialist, here's um, a little martial arts tidbit for you. Okay. So you know how Eric wore his gi pants in Best of the Best, which yes. was made by Marilyn, his, his wardrobe person. She's Marilyn Manson Brands. Yeah, she's incredible. Okay designer and, and costume designer. So she made those high-waisted, those beautiful, they fall really nicely in black and he had them in cream. And then when they were dressing him for the specialist, which also David, the, the costume designer was incredible. Um, he was an Oscar winner. Yeah, so, but Eric requested, he said, you know what? I'd like to wear these gi pants, if you can make them for me, but we'll do a different color. And they decided on red. So those pants were the same pants that he wore in, they're up in the closet, that he wore in Best of the Best. He just, you, you know, transferred that. I mean, it had nothing to do with the character, but mm -hmm. it really worked. Remember those red pants? I remember. You know, when he was out hanging out. <laughs> um, the, you know, we were, we really were friends with, um, with Joan and, and Rod Steiger. Rod Steiger used to go out with my mom. Mm -hmm. um, they dated. Like, yeah. <laughs> And, um, and we were friends, Joan, his wife is a wonderful actress, his widow, um, but he, he was an amazing, amazing guy. We spent a lot of time with John Versace there too, oh, in wow. what's now a museum oh, or a wow. restaurant, it's his house. His house was so, is so it's cool. It's a public place now. Yeah, right, it's a museum now, but it was such a cool pad. And uh, he was such a likable, easy, happy, sweet dude. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, yeah for that she did, did a lot of wardrobe for movies too. Oh, yeah, yeah, that movie, yeah, big time. Yeah. yeah, I actually forgot to ask about Best of the Best. Uh, you worked with that kid, Eden Gross, who was your son. Did you know that he actually ended up playing the good guy's voice in Chucky? 
No, he's <laughs> yeah. Keaton's best friend, Kellen. He and Keaton and, and Furry grew up together. Yeah. Yeah. Morgan said she was friends with him. Yeah. Yeah. Very good fun. friends with him. Yep. Absolutely. His mom is a cantor, which is very unusual for there to be a female cantor. That's a that's a the person in Jewish culture who sings all the the tonal songs and stuff. And it's usually guys. It's a very sexist deal, or mm -hmm. you know, historically. And his mom was a cantor. He's a, they're a trip. He's an amazing kid. Mm -hmm. Oh, he was very talented. I didn't know he's the in Chucky. That's yeah. He was when when Chucky Chucky was done by Brad Dorif, obviously, but um. Right. When it's just the dial talking and it's just like that childlike voice, that's him. Right. It's Idan. That's yeah. Idan, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're now going to go into a topic. Uh, the big one I'm sure most people want to hear about is Dark Knight. So, so tell us. So one one thing I do want to know, and I'm sure a lot of people want to hear about your experience with the late and the legendary Heath Ledger. Okay, let me give you some uh, some background on how I got into that movie to start with. Yeah, okay. please. Yeah. I had heard they're making it. I said, oh, I want to be in that. And they said, you can't be in that. It's offers only, and it's only bigger stars than you, buddy. Sorry, you're out. And you were like, I'm Eric Roberts. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I said, but I'm Eric Roberts. Don <laughs> Papsidera cast it. He's wonderful and friend to this day. Incredible. And he said, well, there's one part they haven't cast yet, but you have to audition for it, and that's Sal Moroni. Sure, I'll audition, no sweat. So I go in and I play the whole thing very New York. And they're dummy sides, by the way. They didn't hand out any, not a single page of the script. So they were oh. they were not even really from the script. But okay. you know, so I go do this audition, blah, 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 Okay, and I went with her and I said, well, I gave an audition. We'll see what happens. Okay, one month comes, two months pass, three months. I don't have the part. I went to somebody, God knows who. Four months pass. We get a call. Oh, by the way, that audition, we liked it. Would Eric like to be in the movie? <laughs> well, sure. Why wow. not? So that's that's how that came about. And then I'm in that movie, what, 12, 14, 15 minutes? Overall, yeah. I was I was on that, I was I was in that cast for four months. It was Chicago. Um, England, I mean, it, it went on and on and on. But Months. they told us, they said, we're going to shoot at Pinewood in England. Now, I've shot at Pinewood half a dozen times. Yeah. No, no big hoop line. It's a great place to work. A lot of pros, you know, work there. It's going to be fun. We get there. No, we're not going to Pinewood. Shh, it's a secret. We're going to shoot at the old Zeppelin hangar that's 30 miles north of London. And okay. the Zeppelin hangar is about three stories tall, about three football fields wide. And you... Wow. If you're a movie geek, which I am, mm -hmm. you walk into it, open those doors, and it's all Gotham City. It blows wow. your mind. And uh, it was really, for a movie geek, it's heaven. And, um, and I got these great clothes I got to wear as the gangster. And it was just, it was just, it was fun to do. And uh, Chris, Chris Nolan is, is, your, is your typical old world leader, you know, mm -hmm. uh, show business is a fascist system. You have a dictator and everybody else. Mm -hmm. And that's his set. You have him and then all of us who- Well, are. him and his wife, Emma. Emma, who yeah. Runs the show. She's yeah, they're, the uh, they're, they're our co-bosses. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And and you said old school. I mean, Chris is a young seeming guy, but it is it is very traditional and works. But he asked about Heath. Do you want to tell him about Heath? He yeah. is one of the sweetest, most normal, 
cats and I've been told don't approach Keith. He's in, he's in character. He, he, he's in, he's in character. And I'm like, yeah, but he wasn't like that at all. We, uh, we, we had a run through the scene where all the bad guys are all together and he has a three page monologue where he talks and talks then he puts a, puts a pencil through the guy's hand. And, yeah. uh, and he, uh, we had a rehearsal and he gets through it all once and he looks at it all and goes, how am I doing? And we all cracked <laughs> up and applauded. And, uh, he was just a sweetie pie, and uh, he was really normal, not at all, at all, at all pretentious. And yeah. uh, he was an actor working, and uh, he was a powerhouse. And, yeah. Did yeah. Morgan ever tell you about going to the premiere with us at Universal City? No, she did not. Yeah, she sat next to Nolan. It was it was pretty funny because, like you were talking about, actors not liking to watch themselves. Yeah. So, you know, in Dark Knight's a long movie and it's pretty dense. And, you know, we were there shooting it. We already shot it. So, but we went, you know, yeah, and we course. got her. And so the way we ended up seated, it was somehow like Emma, um, Emma, you know, Nolan, Emma, Chris, um, Eric, and me, something like that. And okay. at a certain point, really early in the movie, because we'd already done the carpet and everything, whatever you had to do. Yeah. Eric says, we're in a really loud whisper. Can we go yet? Morgan, <laughs> <laughs> my dog. <laughs> mortified. She leans over. She's like, mom. <laughs> I stuff a fistful of popcorn in his mouth or something, please. Because, <laughs> is he not aware that Chris Nolan is sitting around? <laughs> Eric just... <laughs> walk out in the dark night like that no mom <laughs> please oh it was my so God. funny and i was like eric no but that movie <laughs> that movie i mean everybody everybody contributes to that movie but that movie i think was made in the in how it looks wally what's 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 wally's last name yeah no no well, oh, wally um wally fisher? Mean, yeah fish, yeah so. fisher it's anyway, not fisher it's wally fitzer or something Fitz, I think that's yeah. yeah. What's what's the, uh, the, DP. the DP's name of of Dark Knight? Pfizer. Wally. Uh, uh, Dark Knight. P F I T Z E R something like that. Uh, Wally Fister. Feister. Okay, that's good. Wait, one of those. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> Just that movie up. looks like no other movie I've ever seen before or since, and it's got a look and it's just captivating. Oh, hundred percent. I, that's that's what made that movie for me was the look of it. Oh my god, what a beautiful movie! I think that scene that you do, with, you know, the guy gets his hand stabbed and everything. I think that's one of the best scenes of the last twenty years. Like if you had to make like a list of a couple hundred scenes, I mean, I think it would make it. Oh, it's iconic! Yeah. It's iconic, big time. Yeah, that's probably my yeah. favorite scene of that movie. Well, that's know, I mean, us together with Daughtry, by the way, because he and his kids are huge Dark Knight fans. Yeah, his kids starting when they were way too young to be huge Dark Knight fans. Um, and so we found each other on Twitter. It was so funny. He's like, I can't believe it. It was so cute because we idolized him and he idolized us. It's just ridiculous. But yeah, that movie. But we learned a lot about that movie from him. It's a very, you know, you you don't get it in the first reading or the first viewing. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it, there's a lot more to it. So, you know, it's a real study, that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and the thing is, like, I think that the dark, this is just my personal opinion, but I'm sure a lot of people will agree that The Dark Knight is probably one of the best films in the DC universe. And of course, yeah, like the like the whole mob meeting scene, it's 
become such an iconic scene. It's it's like known to so many people. And I yeah, and hey, you got to be a part of it. That's not many people get to say that. And Ledger, Ledger has so many great films like Lords of Dogtown, oh, you know, Brokeback Mountain. That yeah. I hate about you. I mean, he had such a good career and and Monsters Ball with Billy Bob Thornton. I love that one. True, true. Yeah. True. Just yeah. an amazing actor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you also got to like even do that scene with uh, Michael J. White. Like, do you, like, uh, did you interact with him a lot? Michael J. White and I are buddies. Yeah. Yep. I He's love him. He's amazing. He's a great cat, man. He's really sweet, really humble, really normal, really fun to be around. It's a good cat. Yeah, no, he's a legend. I'm a huge fan of his work too. But uh, and then of course the drop scene. Like, uh, how did that? Like, <laughs> so I definitely want. So let me guess. A stunt man with the falling, right? Boom. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. That was so funny. The, yeah, from this height, the fall won't kill me. That one, right? <laughs> There's some real sardonic stuff they gave to Eric's character that was really fun to play. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. So uh, this kind of uh, leads into. Uh, two years later, of course, The Expendables. So, because this was like labeled to be like the first action movie with so many action stars in one film. So how were you approached on this? Well, let me tell you a story. When I did the, uh, the specialist with Sly, there was one night that I was not working that he was, and it was an exterior, so we could go watch. So I said to my wife, let's go watch him shoot the scene tonight. Let's just go up in the crowd and watch him, you know, not you know, tell anybody we're there. She goes, okay. So we have dinner and we walk around a bit. It's, it's Miami, it's nice. We go to the set, there's a big crowd there watching the scene. And we're watching the scene in the crowd and it's, and it's Sly and Sharon. And suddenly out of nowhere, Sly goes, hey, Eric, Eric. And I said, what's up, pal? He goes, yeah, I was thinking about it. He like knew I was there the whole time, but I, I didn't know that. He goes, I've been thinking about it. You know, we don't have a scene together. I said, so write one. He goes, okay, I'll, I'll write one, we'll shoot it tomorrow. I thought that sounds stupid, but okay. Anyway, <laughs> he writes the scene. And it's it's a scene where I put put the knife to his eye. Mm-hmm. They're walking on the street together, and um, and and we and it's a cool scene. I get to be a badass with Sly Stallone. It's fun to shoot. Blah blah blah. Okay, then cut to our next movie together, and it's Expendables. And I've got the best monologues I've ever had as a bad guy. I've got four of them. They're fantastic, and I have one that I really treasure. This with Dolph Lundgren, where I take Dolph Lundgren heroin. He's a junkie, and I yeah. keep him junked up, so he will do things that I need done to to mess up the Expendables. Okay, great little side story and everything. Great monologues. Oh my God, I love this part. Blah blah blah. Okay, we're going through the movie, and we shoot one of the monologues at the end when I die, but we don't shoot the other three, and we're getting close to the end, and I finally say to Sly. Sly, when are you going to shoot these other monologues? Especially on with Dolph. And he goes, oh, we're not. And I said, why? And he goes, hey, it's not an Eric Roberts movie. <laughs> oh. and, so, and so, you know, you just, you, you don't know. You don't know. He was, he was a best friend to me. And then, and, then, and then he was my boss. He was not, he, you know, he was not my best friend anymore, you know, you know writing scenes for me. Mm-hmm. And it, it broke my heart because it was the best monologue I'd ever, I'd ever had as a bad guy and I never got to do it. Well, if it's worth saying, I think you play a fantastic bad guy and you, you, are, you are so badass on film. I just want to flat out say it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, but I get a lot of help from my friends. Like Slice Alone. I mean, what a great director. What a great director. Mm-hmm. Did, did you watch how that movie's cut? 
Yeah. Crazy. Bendables is, is one is one of the lessons in editing of all action movies. Watch how it's cut. It's unbelievable. The cinematography mm -hmm. is just outstanding. I mean, Wally. I mean, yeah. That was also Wally, right? <laughs> no, that was um, The Expendables was. It wasn't uh, No. Um, it, it wasn't. It was another huge DP who I love and who loved his wife. And now I'm forgetting. Oh, how can I forget his name? Well, they can look it up. Who's the DP on The Expendables, guys? Uh, DP. James, was his name James? Oh, God. Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Kimball. Jeffrey yes. yes, Jeffrey Kimball. Oh, yeah, I've heard yeah. Jeffrey before too. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, Jeffrey's cool. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and he's also the real deal. Okay. Yeah, and cinematography is a huge, it's like a obviously key. And it's, it's key. I'm sure you already know it's very every there's always the key parts for film, and cinematography is definitely a huge key thing. It really is. But, but that movie, Expendables, watch how it's edited. The uh, the first one, especially, watch how it's edited. Mm -hmm. Blow your mind. He's brilliant at that. Mm -hmm. because, uh, it comes across like it's a truly great film mm -hmm. because the editing, the editing is right. unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And your death scene, obviously, like the blade, I, it's like CGI. Like they put that, they insert that in. You just imagine that it's like going through you. No, no. Yeah, how do you do the blade? I did that. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> <laughs> really? How did of course it's cgi i no, no, because like, oh. i didn't because like i mean i didn't know at the time if it was practical a practical effect or like yeah was no. it practically yeah. anything there i do this oh and then he goes okay do it shorter so I'm, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. You're stretching it too long like, oh no 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 you gotta be faster that's the only thing that i had to do yeah so like even like you being in like labeled as an action star, like back when you were like starting to do all those action films, did you ever go back and watch like all the other guys like Jeff Speakman or Van Damme or Seagal? Like any of those guys? I watched them all just for a pleasure, not, not, not research because I like those kind of movies. And uh, I especially the, uh, and you know, the, uh, the, uh, when the acting is really bad, I really enjoy them. <laughs> because I understand everything and I understand we had this guy who is not an actor but is who's the who is the star of a movie because because he's a he's a great martial artist and I get mm -hmm. to watch that and it's so much fun for me it's just it's just a blast because I can pretend to be one and I am the other so I've got it made as far as I'm concerned and it's just mm -hmm. it's just fun to watch these guys and also you have to give you know Van Damme credit that's a split and a half, dude. That's a split and a half. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so I'll, let's go to uh, Kellen. Uh, do you have any additional questions? Yeah. So Eliza, I want to know, I know you were very close with one of my heroes, Jim Varney. Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear more about your relationship with him and the industry and any stories you could tell about your time as his friend. Well, Jim Varney, that's Ernest. Yeah. Ernest P. World. So as a casting director, I noticed, um, and just as a person, that a lot of times if somebody was capable of doing extreme comedy, they were also amazing at drama. Mm -hmm. um, Robin Williams, Adam Sandler, yep. um, Jim Varney. And whereas the opposite is not always true. Um, some of the great dramatic actors just are never funny. <laughs> some of them are. Alec Baldwin, Meryl Streep, Eric is sometimes funny. and. Uh, sometimes inadvertently really, really funny. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes just deliberately really funny. But 
it's harder to get comedy out of a dramatic actor. Mm -hmm. So I became, so I was casting something. I wish I remembered what it was. I was on staff casting at Warner Brothers Television, which was called Lorimar under Les Moonves then. And um, we, I mean, we cast, you know, friends and, you know, big shows. And um, I had a, there was a drama and it took place, it might've been All Fly Away, um, mm -hmm. which was David Chase's show before The Sopranos. Um, and we needed a kind of a Southern guy. It was a really intense role. And I, the kids were watching Ernest movies all the time. Mm -hmm. And I thought that guy can do this role and it'll be really unexpected casting. Um, I want to do this because I loved crossover casting, yeah. casting musicians and dramatic and, and as actors, athletes as actors. Sometimes it didn't work. I coached mm -hmm. Michael Bolton for a long time and he really? got there as an actor. Um, but I cast Roger Daltrey, for instance. And, oh, wow. and you know, there's a lot of, a lot of that. So Varney, so I went to his um, manager and just said, um, I want to, now he was an unknown quantity with this kind of intense drama. Um, so I thought, God, he's going to have to audition. So I got to see the ego, you know? So I go to his manager, whatever. And he called me, his manager and agent were friends of mine. And he called, he's like, what is this you're talking about? And um, I explained what I just explained to you. I was yeah. like, I think we can do this. He's like, honey, nobody would think of me for that. I love you. He said, do you know that I have a background as a real actor? Like mm -hmm. on stage and I, you know, I am yeah. that. Like this will be actually bringing me back to my roots. Nobody wants to remember that because they just think I'm earnest. Yeah. I said, Look, it's promotable because you're earnest. Mm -hmm. And also it'll be really fun. So he was staying at, I guess the peninsula. So no, some hotel on, on West third or something. Mm -hmm. um, he happened to be in town and um, he said, let's work on it. Let's see if we can make it so that it can be an offer, not an audition but I don't want to embarrass you or myself or piss them off or anything. Let's just like talk about it. And me, and I went, of course I brought my kids because he was, he was earnest. And yeah. Stuff. Um, <laughs> and, um, and we immediately became really good friends mm -hmm. immediately. Everything in our families, our families, our kids, our parents, our, you know, our background, the things we've been through. Um, and he was a fascinating, Absolutely brilliant, brilliant mm. person. Mm -hmm. One of the smartest people. I mean, about you could ask him anything about astronomy and you know the Big Bang and the physics. And I mean, it's just incredible. Um, he had some amazing jewelry. He was so far from Ernest. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was thinking of giving up Ernest way before he did. And I advised against it. Mm. I said, you know, there's no reason to broaden instead, embrace more get the word out that you want to do more, but there's no reason to kind of bite the hand that feeds you. I mean, there, you know, the fact is, let's see what, you know, what happens if you just kind of start doing both and whatever. And I'm telling you, the community was totally into him as a dramatic actor. Um, they, it, yeah. And he was, he was just absolutely wonderful. He, he became part of our family. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'm not sure if I was with Eric already. I think I wasn't even with Eric yet, but I knew Eric, but I don't think we we're together. But I ended up in, uh, introducing them. Of course, he loved Eric's work and stuff, mm -hmm. but he was a really, really good friend. He was a very um, serious person, mm -hmm. um, like very serious. Like some people, like John Ritter was funny also, just mm -hmm. as John. 
Um, and Jim was sometimes, but a lot of times he, he wasn't. I mean, he went through stuff and he was very intense. He was very self-conscious too, I heard. Yeah, you know, it's funny. He never was around me. Okay. I heard that also. I mean, just never. He, he was the opposite. Maybe that's why we connected so quickly. Mm -hmm. um, I think part of it was I had the kids around and he just wasn't self-conscious around the kids or anything. Yeah, he did not think he was, he didn't realize he was attractive. He, anybody that talented is massively attractive. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it didn't matter that he played Ernest and whatever. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he didn't think, that's funny. He didn't think of himself as being attractive. And, mm -hmm. I, and I never could get over that. I thought he was so, so just so magnetic and so fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, but you're right, he didn't, he didn't realize that about himself. Mm -hmm. but I never saw any self-consciousness there. I'm sure it was there. It's in his his nephew Justin Lloyd's book on him, which I think yeah. it's called "The Importance of Being Earnest." Oh and yeah, what a great idea to call it that. I'm gonna I'm gonna read the book. I'm sure I'll learn stuff I didn't know. I can let you borrow it. I have a copy, and um, he's actually they're they're developing a documentary on him right now that not a, lot, not a lot of people know about. But yeah. I guess it's got footage from that last Ernest movie he did, uh, Ernest yeah. the Pirate. Yeah. And it's going to have a lot of just un unseen footage of him. So I'm, I'm Did you get interested in him from being a little kid and seeing the Ernest movies or what? I was probably like too young to even remember. But yeah, I've been watching Ernest since day one. Yeah. Helen's right. the one that introduced me to Ernest. I, if oh, okay. it, if oh, it yeah. wasn't for him, like I probably wouldn't know who Ernest was. Right. But like we even like uh, three and a, what was it? Three and a half years ago, we went through Kentucky and uh, yeah, Lexington. We visited yeah. his grave. Yeah, and then we and then we yeah. visited we visited one of the filming locations for Goes to Camp. Ernest goes to camp. Ernest goes to camp in uh, yeah. Tennessee. We visited Tennessee, yeah. the camp. Well, the thing cool. about it is, um, you, it, it was really genius stuff. I mean, it just looked fun and silly for kids on the surface, yeah. but it wasn't. There was a lot mm -hmm. more, a lot more to yeah. it. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's I, I love that it goes from generation to generation because it definitely mm -hmm. should. Well, that's yeah. what makes movies classics. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, the generational jump. He was very needy. I don't know if it says that in the book. Um, it's uh, I mean, it's, it mentions a lot of weird stuff, like the self-conscious thing. I guess yeah. he didn't like the way his nose looked at one point, and he got like yeah, a yeah, big, big thing about, uh, about that. I know, and see, that's what I mean. Like he didn't see what he didn't see himself the way that other people saw him. And he, he got in a really bad car accident too at one point. I can't right. remember. I can't remember what exactly happened, but right. it was That's bad. Right. I can't even remember how he died. I was very upset when he died. How did he uh, die? Cigarettes, wow. smoking, lung cancer, probably. Yeah, that was a bit yeah. that you were kind of told not to uh, hassle him about smoking. Like that was one of the first things that he'd say. He'd be like, yeah. You're not going to tell me anything I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Just gonna get in the way of our relationship, and he died of it. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Apparently, when he when he learned that he had lung cancer, he immediately threw him away and just decided he's done. But it was too late. It was too late. I'm sad, unfortunate. But uh, yeah. Eric, Eric, I have to tell you something. Both of my parents, within maybe a week of each other, saw you in that bathtub commercial <laughs> for American Standard, <laughs> and both and both called me up and told me they saw you, and I was like, "You're joking." And so I looked it up and it was basically one of the highlights of my year. <laughs> so what was shooting that like? Okay. Before we get into that, if we're going to discuss this, okay. I want your participation in something. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I did that commercial. Okay. 
for the fact they were going to gift me one of those tubs. Oh, they didn't? Okay. I have a little grandchild on the way, so I have a little, a little, a little tub downstairs for, for, for my wife to have with the grandchild, the baby grandchild, so it's easy, open the doors and stuff, easy in and out of with the kid, right? Blah. Yeah. Sure, for that ad, sure, for that tub, sure. They never gave me that tub. What? Why? They never gave me that tub. So what I would like done is to have some young, hip kid who knows how to do this get on the internet and say they never gave Eric that tub. I will literally <laughs> drive there right now to their house. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, you know, I'm not going to sue them. I'm not going to pay lawyers fees, have a lawyer deal with it. I'm not going to yeah. check the bathtub. I'm just not going to do it. But was, that, like, was that in the contract? No. No, no, it was all verbal. Not at oh, all. Okay. But I would oh, okay. like to have the tub. Yeah. And, and so so anyway, we can embarrass them with your help. I'll take. No. I <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure that commercial sold many tubs, so they'd kind of owe you. Of course yes. it has. It was very fun to shoot it. It was hilarious. Directed by um, Bruce Summers, which is Suzanne Summers' son, who's a dear friend. We love him. Great cat. Oh, okay. We loved the tub people. We loved the ad agency and we loved the tub people. That's just, really my fault. They get, my it was, we shot it on Eric's birthday. Yeah. Okay. And they ordered a bunch of vegan, sugar-free, baked donuts for him for his birthday. Mm -hmm. And we had a birthday celebration on the soundstage. It was so hilarious. We love flying in the face of everybody who is going to be like Eric Roberts, you know, Oscar nominee for Runaway Train, doing a walk-in bathtub to commercial. How can you do? We love that we're just like, yes, yes, yes. Let's try it all. <laughs> so that was the, that was the perfect example. We get hilarious phone calls from all kinds of people. I mean, birthday donuts. It was a great. My day. ex, my my um, <laughs> step wife-in-law, which is my ex-husband's. He's my really good friend, wife. She just loves every time she sees the commercial. She just loves it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I'm sure partly because it makes Eric really silly and me too, but who cares? Mm -hmm. It's, and it's a fabulous product. Mm -hmm. And um, it it's is a, a good product. very expensive product. It's very political in commercials. Everyone has to talk to everyone who has to talk to everyone. I was supposed to stay in close touch with this one woman and I never lose information, but I had like one letter wrong in her email address and could not reconnect with her and Bruce tried to help me. I'm sure she just thought I dissed her and that's so unfortunate. That's how come we never got the tub. Well, I want one. But, um, but- <laughs> We gotta get you a tub. We were- we Get were Eric the tub. We were shooting a documentary for Sam Kashner who wrote the Vanity Fair article on Eric and Spike Carter, um, which is Graydon Carter owns um, Vanity Fair. His son, who's a documentary filmmaker. We were shooting that documentary. What they were doing was following Eric around from all the different kinds of projects that he does. They, you know how important it was that they were on that set shooting behind the scenes for that? Because it's like the day before they'd been shooting behind the scenes for like, I don't know, Dark Knight, you mm -hmm. know? And the juxtaposition, and it was so fun and funny that, I mean, and Eric made the, the most of it. I mean, he, he really did. He doesn't even take baths. Mm -hmm. I do, but you know. <laughs> I want to, I have a shower that doesn't have <laughs> yeah. I only shower. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish I had a bathtub. <laughs> um, so I love your little cameo in Larry, the cable guy. When you come on the TV commercial for brother, sweet brother, the killing of uh, Stanton street uh, or Stanton suite. Uh, how'd you land this gig? Was it just offered to you? Jim, Jim Carrey uh, is a friendly acquaintance. And, uh, and uh, he said, we'd be in my movie. Not how it happened at all. No. We 
premiere <laughs> on the internet with uh, of a movie with Ben Stiller. He is a friendly acquaintance. But we, but we, we had met him. We had met him. He'd become a friendly acquaintance. He's a very big fan of my mom's mm -hmm. and he's a fan of Eric's. Mm -hmm. But he didn't even know Eric was going to be in the movie. So, um, he, 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 I mean, he found out and he was happy. Yeah. So we were at, um, we were with Ben Stiller at a premiere okay. and Morgan was with us actually. Okay. Um, and, um, and we were talking to Ben because um, my mom and Ann Mira were collaborators. They wrote mm. and produced and were in many Best shows friends. together. Best friends. And I'm, we're still really close with Amy and we're friends with Ben. So we're just talking family stuff. And Ben said, you know something? And Eric said, we need to do something together. I need to do more comedy. And Ben's like, I love you, man. We should, you know what? He said, I'm doing this thing with Jim Carrey. And I have this character. It's just going to be a cameo where the guy's going to play to him, it's you're gonna play two characters, two twin brothers who are night and day, Jack mm -hmm. and I. Yeah, I think I was gonna have Matthew Perry do it. He said, but screw it, why don't you do it? I remember that now, that's true. <laughs> and Eric's like, okay, yeah. and I think it was Matt Perry who was gonna do it. And he's yeah. like, I don't think any work away from Matt or whatever. And Ben was like, I think Matt's doing okay, I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> and then the next thing you know, we're doing it. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's excellent. All true. That's I can back that up. That's all true story. That's amazing. And I, I'm, I'm really happy to see Jim Carrey's coming back around. He was gone for a bit, but yes, I'm, I'm happy to see he's coming back yeah. into film and Eric stuff. Eric was on Kidding, and my mom was on Kidding. Oh, he was. I didn't know that. Yeah. I want to check that out. I've been wanting yeah, to see that. Yeah, you got to check out Eric on Kidding. Yeah, I heard that's a really good show. Mm -hmm. You'll yeah. love it. So here's the last round of questions we got for you guys. Uh what is the single most thing you're both proud of within your careers? Is there one film or one role that really encapsulates your love for what you do and what you're most proud of? I'll let you answer that. Okay. Schlock. For, for, <laughs> me, um, for me, um, I mean, of course it's, it's animal house to a certain yeah. degree, yeah. but in terms of like work as an actor, it would be more a love as a gun. We just did a short film called Andronicus. Um, I think um, for me, maybe that's my most proud work. Okay. Uh, I finally did get to take that shirt off. And let me tell you, it's at this age and everything, it was very challenging. Mm -hmm. um, but it became not challenging. That's what's amazing is that you just get swept into it. Um, my The work I love the most of Eric's is Final Analysis and It's My Party. Those mm -hmm. are my favorite Eric movies. I think they're just have so much delicious, subtle, incredible stuff. And mm -hmm. then there's a lot of moments and a lot of little obscure things, you know? Mm -hmm. um, even a little movie that we both, or this little series that we both did um, called Class Act. And yeah. he, he plays a drama teacher. Mm -hmm. He's hilarious. I don't think he mm -hmm. realizes how funny he is. Um, so you know, was, speak, speaking of another movie that I thought he was really funny in is uh, Spun. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. You're really funny in Spun. <laughs> I, got, I got a story about Spun for you. Yeah. So they... Off we then we're, we're, we're going to reunite you and Mickey. Yay. Okay, here we go. And here's yeah. gonna, I like your body. So I want, I want your shirt off and you're going to have these hot chicks and you're a speed dealer and you're, you're, you're a wheeler and a dealer, blah, blah, blah. I said, that sounds great. But you know what? It's been done 150,000 times. Yeah. Let's go the opposite. And let's have me with with like, with like ruffles and everything. And I have a boy and oh my God, I sell speed to Mickey Roy because he's the best guy in the world and all this love of Liberace. Yeah, so Liberace basically. And uh, the, uh, the uh, director, I have to give him credit. He said, I love the idea, do it. Yeah. 
and he Jonas allowed Ackerman. what's his name Jonas Ackerman Jonas Ackerman he allowed me to go that completely 180 degrees from how they how they had intended it and uh and I had a good time doing it we took and, care of Mickey's dog the whole time we had to babysit yeah, for the dog, took care of the dog. yeah that that movie is just a total trip that and uh Requiem for a Dream are both like total drug movies that are just nuts yeah, um, that ending to spun yeah first time i saw it whoa it really got me off guard do not cool yeah. really, oh man yeah it really shocked me that's excellent when 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 you know how it ends it's it's not at all a surprise but when you mm -hmm. don't know and the first time i saw it i didn't know mm -hmm. so i'm not gonna say it's not yes yeah, so people Go check oh out Spawn. God, he caught me. Woo! Well, what about well? Okay, Eric, what are you most proud of? Like, what's the what's the proud yeah? What's like the main I've movie? Done, I've done two movies called Miss Only Hearts. The uh, the first movie called Miss Only Hearts, based on the on the uh, Nathaniel West novella, Miss Only Hearts, where I played the uh, the uh, the Miss Only Hearts, the uh, the Dear Abby guy. Miss Only Hearts, Star Eighty, Love Is a Gun, It's My Party. Those are my and maybe Pope of Greenwich Village. Those movies are my Story's favorites I've ever done. Yeah. But I, my best piece of work as an actor doing something very difficult that I think I pulled off was in the first Miss Lonely Hearts based on a Nathaniel West novella. That was the hardest, most thankless part to play well. Mm -hmm. and, and I was very proud of my performance in it. I'm gonna have to check that one out. Uh, what's what's the weirdest fan encounter you both have endured? <laughs> if you got one, I know you definitely you definitely told me you've been stalked at least once. Oh yeah, well, yeah. This isn't really a fan story, except it's just it's a story. Uh, I met a screenwriter many years ago mm -hmm. who uh, introduced me to the. I went to his house in Virginia, and uh, he introduced me to an English producer who was supposedly producing the film and had produced several real movies that had been real movies in the past. So he was the real deal. He was legit. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, it, and this, uh, this writer was and was married to this you know, very wealthy woman whose grandmother, I believe, had been, had owned more stock in the New York Stock Exchange than any other individual in the history of the Stock Exchange, which is very from, from, yeah. from lots of money. Anyway, uh, and he was uh, kind of a weird guy in that he had, you know, little, little like and ticks and weird things. He'd been in Vietnam. He'd been, he'd, be, he'd been in special forces. He had seen combat. He'd seen a lot of stuff that's hard to deal with. And he had ticks and weird stuff about him. But he was a brilliant guy. Mm -hmm. Well, he wanted me to be in this movie of his as being produced by this English cat, blah, blah. So he has me to his house. I mean, we talk about the movie, blah, blah, blah. Well, it turns out. Many years later, I find out, well, I found out from a guy who was in Vietnam with him that the, uh, the movie was never going to really happen. It was all because his wife had a crush on me and wanted to know me. Mm -hmm. JC. And, and that's how it was kind of oh. set up. But, but, and so I went down there and spent my holidays with him, always, always, always discussing. This phantom film. Yeah. And, uh, but it never happened. And uh, when I when I when I when I found that out, um, I uh, sent away from for some intoxicants and uh, and uh, went about my business in my life. <laughs>
<laughs> Crazy. Well, one thing that happens is because I, I, yes, we've had stalkers and the stalkers have found the kids and, you know, it's like, what? not good. Oh no. Oh, yeah. Cool. Like yeah. really weird, really yeah, weird, weird stuff. We just recently got a weird series of letters and you have to take them to people and they analyze whatever. But um, <laughs> one thing that's funny with fans is I always feel you have to really, really respect your fans. It's, it, it's yeah. very important, I, you Absolutely. know. Um, but one thing, and we do become friends sometimes, um, mm -hmm. but, and we always are interested in their stories. But one thing that's really funny is if Eric and I, if we're like in an airport or whatever, this happens a few times a week or at the market. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously before quarantine and before COVID, mm -hmm. um, fans get so focused that it doesn't matter what you're doing. Like I've been there sometimes where it's like my mom, my sister, my niece and Eric and me and the people zero in on him. And like, especially when Eric and I are alone, you could be, you could stand, you could die, you could drop dead right there and they wouldn't notice they'd be like, you could be standing right next to Eric dying. And they are just like, oh my God, Eric, I can't believe it. So um, so Eric, if you ever say hi to your sister, and if you ever come over to, to this, to Kentucky or whatever, come over, okay? And it's like, you know, I just died over there. Yeah. Uh, did you notice? Hello? It's just hilarious because there's times when he's standing there and somebody's totally focused on him and we'll be like late for a plane. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, honey, you know, they're boring that they just, they. They boarded, they closed the doors. <laughs> yeah. And there's just nothing, zero happening. The person doesn't go, oh my God, I guess you have to go. But, you know, I'll be like, well, I'm going to go. So you just bye. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, it's is true. hilarious. Especially in airports when I'm recognized <laughs> and it, it blows their minds. Oh my God, Eric mm -hmm. Roberts, everybody that I'm with vanishes. Mm -hmm. They don't see anybody I'm with or see anything I'm doing or. So See, see the fact that I'm late to, to, to walk on a plane Yeah, they, and they have their moment and they have their camera now because everybody has a camera now. Yeah. So they have the picture. Yeah. So, and they so, sneak it. So, and I, I, I will only let them take some selfies. So it doesn't involve another person because then they have to get yeah. somebody else and blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. And well, how, how to do this, how to do that. And so only selfies, mm -hmm. but I let them all take selfies. And uh, that's, that's, that's what you know, people there. do. If you're on a soap opera or something, it's crazy. Cause you get yeah. confused for your character and yeah. that, you think you are that really happens. And I have had, um, you know, when Eric was on young and the restless, cause he's done a couple of soaps and also even from the stock by my doctor series, I have had people who are mm -hmm. obviously a little off. Yeah. Tell me to get out. It's like, you know, you can't do this. You, you've got to understand he's not what he seems to be. And it's like, yes, he's not the doctor because he's, it's pretend. Yeah. Um, you know, so sure. Where people give advice or they're very angry with you or they pass out because they see you. Yeah. That happens. For, uh, for many years from like 1982 or three to 1992 or three, I'd be walking in the street in New York City. Yeah. And I would see myself be recognized by s somebody walking towards me and yeah. they would see who I am and they would recognize me. Oh my God, that's, and they would cross the street. They would stop and, uh, and cross the street. And I would yeah. see that happen probably twice, twice a day. Wow. People, people thought I was the crazy guy that they associated with, with me from the movies mm -hmm. and, uh, Oh no, no. And they crossed the street, especially women, women. Really? In fact, only women, really. Yeah, they, yeah. Would, <laughs> they, would, they would very subtly run. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it, was, it, was, it was subtle. It was not an announcement. Ah, Eric Roberts! 
Congress, you know. <laughs> but but it, it was, you know, oh, that's him. I don't want to walk past him. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. The only the only weird celebrity like if, like experience that I've had where they were kind of rude to me uh, was mm -hmm. years ago, and my buddy here was with me. Um, Christy Swanson. We met her at a convention. Oh my god. And I swear to God, I go up to this girl. I, I ask her one question about working with Adam Sandler on Big Daddy because, you know, he's like my favorite person in the world. Yeah. Um, and basically, I just asked her the one question about working with him. And she goes, oh, it was all right. Are you going to buy anything? <laughs> oh, my God. What was that? I, she God, literally that said it like that. I was like, yes. I, I, I was, I, I was kind of... I kind of didn't know what to say at that moment. I, I like, like almost oh, burst out laughing. I was like, did that just happen? And like, there were two people behind us in line. I wasn't even wasting our time. You know, I just, oh, it was a bummer. Terrible. I'm sorry. That's it was funny. Um, so I was just going to ask, uh, is the Oscars all that? Like, is it fun to attend? I've heard some people say it's tedious and boring to sit through while others amp it up. I'm curious what your experience is going to this, those kind of events. Okay, the Oscars... <clears throat> You get the Oscar nomination and you're a nominee for a month. Okay. So that month, you're everybody's favorite actor you ever talked to. And yeah. you're in the Oscar and everybody voted for you. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and you feel that. You feel great because it's, it's the greatest honor there is in movies. And we all want to be in movies. Oh, I mean, I, we all have our Oscar speech ready since so eight years old, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I and it's just I can't believe it. Oh my god, I got lost on that. And then you put on your tux and you go to the Academy Awards and it takes forever. And the winner is somebody else. Oh man. And you realize when it's somebody else that you wanted to win. Mm -hmm. But you don't know that up until it's somebody else. You're yeah. very satisfied with the nomination. And even after the fact, because we nominees get get all the extras and all the invites every year for the rest of our lives as all the winners do mm -hmm. so we're we're like treated forevermore as a nominee so we're we're like we're like treated as a winner and we get special invites to everything because we were nominees once mm -hmm. and so it is the greatest experience you can have once I see. I've only had it once mm -hmm. so it was great once mm -hmm. and uh it uh I didn't know that I wanted to win up until I didn't. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that I did. Mm -hmm. And I especially was, I was bothered by the fact that I lost to somebody who's a wonderful actor, likable, lovable, good in, in the, in the role that he won for and everything. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he deserved maybe an Oscar, mm -hmm. but I deserved an Oscar. And so, who was this person? Are you uh, going to say? Don Amici. Don Amici. For okay. good and he was fine. He was great. He was lovable. He was good. It's a great movie. It's yeah, a really yeah. good movie. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and but uh, but I was better, and uh, and I knew it then. <laughs> now and it just and uh, I miss my Oscar. And the thing yeah. about it is, it's like Super Bowls. Mm -hmm. Now you always think, well, I'll be back, mm -hmm. but you might not. Mm -hmm. Well, you are one of the most prolific actors in the industry, so you're all, you're constantly working. You know, the chance is still there. Yeah, we'll see. I think it's going to happen about attending those things. Um, I would, it, it's, it's kind of a pain in the butt. I mean, you know, you realize when you're there, how amazing it is. You look around you and who's there and all that, but you know, you have to be really dressed up. It's usually too hot or too cold or raining. Um, 
it's a lot of traffic, a lot of slow moving, a lot of uncomfortable high heels, a lot of, you know, having to pee, but you got to sit there a lot of, um, you know, a, a lot of that kind of stuff where you just, you know, you're going to be judged and, yeah. you know, it's, it's um, very social and that's exhausting. Yeah. In the seat right in front of me was John Houston, the actor, director, and, you know, you know, you know, mostly director. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, he had been nominated for the for the movie with uh, with uh, Jack and uh, his daughter uh, Angelica Houston. What's the movie called? Not the two Jakes. Uh, I forget. But anyway, uh, he was nominated for that. And uh, every category, every nominee, every winner, he had something to say. Oh no! Most entertaining. I had the most entertaining Oscars anybody could possibly have because I sat behind John Houston, who had an opinion on everything. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I love that. Unreal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have a question for you, Eliza. Um. So, based on what Kellen has told me, like you're an acting coach. So I'm actually curious. Uh, what encouraged you to uh, become a coach? Yeah, yeah, right here. <laughs> Halle Berry to uh, to uh, to uh, to George Clooney, to all kinds of people. But I'm not a bad actor. But she's this magnificent coach that I would take stuff to her just as my girlfriend, as my friend. I would say, "Help me with this," and I would get these incredible notes where I would realize, "Oh, I got something here that." It's like handy. And uh, she's probably the greatest. And I've been a member of the Actress Studio since I'm 19 years old. I've, yeah. I've got notes from Lee Strasberg, all kinds of people I've gotten notes from. This is my favorite note giver. She's <laughs> unbelievable. And she really has straightened out a lot of my performances. And uh, but what was the question? Well, what made me sort of get into it? It was very natural because. Um, as an actress, then during my pregnancy with Keaton, I was on a series and the casting director got cancer. We just had a few episodes left. A lot of my friends I brought in and they'd gotten the roles and they asked me to just finish casting the series. And I was like, I'm an actress, I'm not a casting director. But to me, that makes sense. Just like a, a director, an actor who directs. Um, they said, well, we'll teach you, we'll get you through it. And, you know, I became a casting director and actress at the same time. I never, because of my sensitivity to actors, I never just would have somebody sit there and I would sit there and listen to them and say, thank you. I would work with them. Cause you know, auditioning is the worst circumstances you can think of for acting. Oh, I can imagine. I want to make it better. So I would work with them and um, I just was like, I love this. And it came really naturally. And then the people I worked with would, you know, it kind of worked out for them. A lot of them became really established actors. Um, and so- You know, like um, George, like Hallie. Yeah, so people started <laughs> recommending me and then um, it just it just happened. It was an offshoot. And certainly with Eric, as, as you say, because once in a while he has to audition still, um, or again, you know, or whatever. I mean, that happens to everybody. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, um, I would see him working on something and I just have some ideas. At first I wouldn't do that. I was just like, who would give this guy you know, suggestions? Are you kidding? He's a genius. Um, yeah. But we got really comfortable. And then- And especially since HD in the old days, like let's say let's say the Pope Guns Village. I was on that, that, that movie in January of that year and I started to a shoot in September. 
Mm-hmm. Now, and now I'm off to a movie on a Friday night that I would start to shoot on a Sunday morning. Yeah, that's great. So I have to go to her. I run to her and say, I need your help. We got to do this. And she helps me break it down. She helps me on lines. She helps me. And that's that's my coach. That's my in-house in-house director. And that's my that's my partner, you know. So and basically a director. And you know, because you want something to be lived in. You want to feel you don't want to six months after you've played the role, mm-hmm. think of what you would have done with the role. And you know, you have to figure happen. out, yeah, you have to figure out how to compress that process and sometimes having someone you trust mm-hmm. that can work, especially because my background is mostly comedy. Yes. And, um, and my background is all drama. Is all drama. And yet he's required to do stuff sometimes that he may not have a, an automatic ear for. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, and that's what it is. Because, you know, like a lot of actors, I'm sure they go back and they say, oh, I should have done that there. I could have done oh, yeah. this. And, you know, that that's the worst feeling you could have as an actor or yeah. even as a musician or a performer. You go back and you say, damn it, I should have done that instead, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, but that's that's what makes you better, you know? Absolutely. You know, no, failures, I successes, you know, it's just doing it over and over and over again. That's what makes you better. Yeah. So uh, my last question uh, for both, both you and both Eric and Eliza, what is the most memorable you've, the most memorable moment you have ever had on a set together? Well, I, or if it's a, it was a separate set on that matter. Okay. Memorable moment on set. Could be anything. <laughs> I think maybe it's it's a very self-oriented moment, but it's this. I'm doing my first movie and I'm and and I get a rewrite of a scene where my uh, my mother and my sister find me. I've been hiding for years and they find me and they tell me to come home. And uh, I have a little temper tantrum. But in the script, I just raised my voice, had this thing. But I decided my, uh, my girlfriend was, uh, was serving tea in the scene. So I decided I would break all the teacups. Bam, 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 bam. Which is fine and good if the director likes it. But then we have no teacups. So I went, I went down my, uh, my cruise sheet and I called the prop guy. And I said, prop guy. I'm, I'm going to break all those cups tomorrow. So you got to bring a bunch of different sets. Okay. He goes, thanks for telling me no sweat. Bang. So we did it. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't tell the director what I'm going to do. And we rehearse the scene and I have it in my head when I'll break the cups and then I'll get the speech and blah, blah, blah. But I don't show him. I just go through it. It's a block where I'm going to be where the camera's going to be. We all know we're going to be Mason, me, Susan, Saran and Brooke Shields, and who played my girlfriend? Annette O'Toole. Annette O'Toole. Those are the four of us on the set. So, and action. I break the cuffs. You had the scene. The director goes, oh my God, that was fantastic. But I hope we have more cuffs. <laughs> and, the, and the prop guy said, yes, Eric, call me last night. And because he did, we have more cuffs. <laughs> that moment, this day, that was 30 years ago. How many years ago? 42 years ago. Wow. Yeah. That is one of my proudest moments on a set was because you were, I you were organized with it. Killed the scene acting. Yep. Didn't hurt production because I did my homework and I called the prop guy. And <laughs> that, <laughs> really funny. that was one of my proudest moments I've ever had. And you. Okay. There are so many, obviously. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like for instance, you know, I've worked on movies that Keaton's been in, mm-hmm. even the mm-hmm. Keaton and Eric were both in. Um, and, um, and Hollywood Dreams is one and that Morgan catered. So, I mean, then it's like a family affair and it's just amazing. You know, my daughter's food, my husband's in it, my son is in it and he's playing music in it and I'm in it. I mean, it's just like crazy. But I think it was early, it was before I ever had my kids. My mom was doing the first nighttime soap. There had never been a nighttime serial. Like the the nighttime dramas were each separate entities. It didn't continue till next time. There was no Dallas, there was no nothing. She did the first one, it was for NBC, it was called Terraces. Mm-hmm. And which was ironic because she's a comedy. She won many Emmys and stuff as a comedy writer, producer, director. But um, but this was a drama. So she had me audition for, there was two girls who were the leads in it. One was very beautiful and she was very tough. She was a career woman. She was a publicist for the studios and she was married and, you know, all this. And the other one was her best friend. They'd grown up together, but much more just kind of a hippie and, and, you know, less successful with men and just less successful in general. And we shot it in the marina. It was, it was all of our terraces adjoined and all the stories adjoined. And so she had me audition for the kind of dorky girl. And, um, and it was looking pretty good, but we weren't sure. And then it was looking not good because they found like a perfect person for it, which I even agreed with them. Uh, and they cast someone else as the, the sharp girl. And that was it, it was over. They, they shot a couple of days with the sharp girl. And I guess they decided they didn't love her work. So I got a call that late morning, um, go to the network, you're testing for that role. I'd never looked at that role or thought of myself for that role. Mm-hmm. And I walk in the room and there's Gene Guest, you're testing at the network. It's the most high pressured. There's Ron Meyer from CAA, his wife, Ellen, who's the casting director, my mom and, and Gene Guest and the whole brass at CBS. I'd never looked at this role before, but I had looked at it enough. So I wasn't, it wasn't a, one of those fresh, instinctive, cold readings, nor was it a really, was I owning it? I was just in limbo, the worst stage. I have the whole script in my hand and walk in the room to start and I drop the script, which then goes flying all over the place. Mm-hmm. So the pages are everywhere and now I have to, you know, and Jean Guest, who is, it's Chris Guest's mom. And he's, she's head of the network at that point. Mm-hmm. And she says to my mom, and they had to cast this, this person has to start shooting that afternoon. So they say, to, she says to my mom, Lila, you should leave. I think the dropping of the script was probably because you're here, my mom, you know, mm-hmm. this is my yeah. mom's show. So my mom left, I'm just crawling around on the floor gathering up my pages, which would have been fine if it was a comedy, but it wasn't. And I take a breath and whatever, and we do it. And I have no idea what's gonna happen, but I figure it's probably pretty not good. And um, especially they already haven't liked somebody, so they're gonna be really tough. They don't wanna fire two actresses from the same show. Um, So I go out and I'm waiting and um, then I get suddenly, I descended upon by makeup, hair, wardrobe, and I'm on my way to set and I've got this role. And just that first day on set, jamming these lines, because she was the lead and getting all ready or being gotten ready and um, realizing that moment of realizing that I got this part, mm-hmm. you know, it was so fantastic and overwhelming. I mean, I didn't even, there were no cell phones in those days. I didn't even have a chance to call whoever, wherever I was supposed to be just to say, I'm not coming because my life just changed. Yeah. So um, just, you know, this is before Animal House, it's before everything. 
and uh, it's called terraces you can find it okay um and um that moment of because you know a lot of times you want a part so badly you want a part so badly and then you forget all that and you get parts you kind of take it for granted or you complain or whatever this was the perfect sublime merging of the want a part get a part mm-hmm. and then the complete incredulity of having it happen and so that was a pretty good moment that's amazing yeah. all right so here's our final actually before i ask the final round i got a speed round a little fun round um is mm-hmm. keaton does keaton live in nashville keaton yeah. now lives in nashville he's an la boy but he lives in nashville he very to cool is he able to do shows right now by chance yes yeah. absolutely he I'm gonna be talk. I'm gonna be in Nashville in like end of March. What? That's yes. great. I would love to go see him. So okay, good. All right, good. We'll figure would that out. To. We'll put you guys in touch. Absolutely. Um, okay, so here's the speed round. You just I just ask a question, you just answer it real quick, and that's pretty much it. Uh, what's your favorite Beatles album? Let it be. Um, maybe the rubber album. I'm not sure. It's hard to choose a favorite rubber album. rubber soul. Road. Rubber Soul is my favorite. Rubber Soul, yeah. Uh, favorite movie? Harold and Maude. Really? I love Heartburn, that which is a, a Mike Nichols film. Heartburn. Harold and Maude's great. Um, favorite actor? That's hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll talk while he's thinking. Uh, Obviously, I love Eric, but I Meryl Streep. Okay. And after Meryl Streep, right up there, right Meryl Streep, Eliza Roberts. Aww. There you go. Uh, well, I love go. Eric, but I also love Joan Cusack and John Cusack. Okay. There's a lot of actors yeah, that I really, but I, they're, they're just so good. It's hard to pick an actor because we we love the Cusacks. We always scream, yay, they're on TV whenever either of them are on. Yeah. Fans, yeah. yeah. Uh, favorite genre? Westerns. Romantic comedy. Yeah. Favorite food? apples but i'm sure i would love anything morgan cooks morgan says you love cheese i yeah. do that's so cute that she does that well <laughs> that's, so does her baby what what was eric's her, italian italian yeah. anything yes. italian nothing yes. in particular just spaghetti italian anything italian. I, anything but, <laughs> i'm vegan so all the pasta, all I, the sauces. i'm vegan so the only cheese i will eat by the way people yes that has to be low in fat, but also it has to be from where I know the farm, the, the cows graze free and there's yeah. animals harmed. I see. Yeah. And then uh, favorite board game? Board Monopoly. Game. Yeah. yeah. Candyland. <laughs> Candyland. Okay. And then last one. If you were forced to get a tattoo, what would it be of? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to be getting a tattoo. Right. I have- Scar on my left buttock. It's about this long and about that wide. Whoa. <laughs> on the I had to land it on my butt. Yeah. Okay, I have a scar that I'm going to use as a skyline, get a little sun setting sun, <laughs> and my wife's name put in it because the sun sets on my wife. Oh, that's amazing. And, but here's the good thing about having a tattoo it'll be in a place where only she will have to see it. Exactly. I'll, I'll never see it. Right on your fanny. <laughs> <laughs> If I was going to get a tattoo, I would just, my kids both have tattoos and they're tattoo experts. Yeah. So I would have to have them recommend something because I so wouldn't get a tattoo. Yeah. But if there's such a thing as a sparkly tattoo, it would have to be sparkly. I think, I go. think I'm going to recommend she, she, she get an Eric's girl 
<laughs> yeah, and like a heart. <laughs> Or like a tramp stamp. Yeah, <laughs> and then um, anything you guys would like to plug. Obviously, as stated before, Eric is available for video shout outs on Cameo. Any films you'd like to promote? Well, there, there's there's a singer songwriter, Keaton Simons, that just because he's a family member doesn't mean, I mean, he's incredible. And mm-hmm. every time I get, I get to promote him, I want to. Mm-hmm. Keaton Simons. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to Google him, just... Uh, and Keaton Simons, you will not be unhappy once you have him in your life. Mm-hmm. And also there's Pie Bake Shop, P.I. Bake Shop. The best pie maybe on our planet comes so from good. the shop. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's the spot. And then there's something we like all people who are parents to know about, which is naturalchild.org. You want to go there. The best, the best book in the world about mm-hmm. about that. It's mm-hmm. called Natural Child. Natural Child, okay. Amazing. And where can your fans find you? Instagram, Twitter? Like what's Everywhere. your hand? Everywhere they want to look, I'll be there waiting. Well, not TikTok, because we don't know what that is. But... And, <laughs> and it's at Eric Roberts actor. Okay. So we don't know if it's at Eric Roberts it or at, at Eric Roberts actor, Kellen. Maybe oh. you can tell us. Yes, All right. I got you. I know yours is Mom Eliza Roberts. Mom Eliza Roberts. And at- Eric's is at Eric Roberts actor. Okay, is that on Insta? That's Insta. Or Twitter? Okay, Insta. what about his Twitter? My um, Twitter is the same. His Twitter is Eric Roberts. Oh yeah, just at Eric Roberts. Okay, good. And he has he has Facebook also, but I don't know what it's called. And your Twitter is at Mom Eliza Roberts. That is correct, yes. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for doing this. It was an absolute pleasure. This is our 17th episode, and I feel like this is probably the best one we've done so far. Um, My lucky number is one in seven. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, no, you guys had such amazing stories. And yeah, I mean, I was blown away. And, you know, Kellen has spoken very highly of both of you. And I look forward to meeting you guys one of these days. Yes, absolutely. Of course. Yeah, this was really fun, you guys. We've been wanting to do it. And I'm so glad that we did and how fun. Thanks, guys. I wish you both oh, the you. best of luck for 2021. I know it's going to be filled with many amazing things. Can't well, wait to see you we're, guys. We're going to be seeing you all the time, right, Kellen? Yes. Absolutely. I'm seeing Morgan tomorrow, I think, for catering. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so, there you all, go. Right. <laughs> all right. Bye, guys. Hey, nice to meet you, buddy. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Nice meeting you, too. Bye, Peace guys. Out. Bye. I want the Joker. From one professional to another. If you're trying to scare somebody, pick up at a spot from this height. Paul wouldn't kill me. I'm counting on it. Where is he? I don't know where he is. He found us. He must have friends. Friends? What's this guy? Someone knows where he is. Nobody's gonna tell you nothing.